This is the most evil, the most disturbing, and the darkest episode we have ever released on the Sean Ryan Show. It has to do with predators who are preying sexually on children. Ryan Montgomery, the number one ranked ethical hacker in the world, has dedicated his life to hacking into these websites and exposing the predators who are preying on our children to the world. And he has thousands and thousands of names now that he's releasing. This is going to save a lot of kids. And I want you to share this with everybody you know. The public needs to be informed of this. And here's how the kids are going to be saved. Because everybody says, oh, share my stuff, right? Here's how they'll be saved. Every parent that watches this will smarten up on what their kid's doing on the internet. Every kid that watches this is going to smarten up and become aware of how prevalent this stuff is on the internet. And every one of you predators that's watching this, it's going to put the fear of God into you because when you're caught, you will be humiliated and hopefully in prison. That's how this is going to save these kids. People are going to smarten up. They're going to realize this is everywhere. This is on every social media platform, every chat room, everywhere you go on the Internet. These people are hanging out. And unfortunately, we have to fight censorship here because here's one thing. These predators have a lot of powerful people throughout the world, in government, in Hollywood, all over the place that are sticking up for this community. So we've done everything we possibly can to avoid censorship. We have demonetized it ourselves. This isn't about money. This isn't about advertising. This is about saving kids, and that's it. So we've demonetized the video ourselves. We've pulled footage. We've bleeped every bad word on this video in hopes that it does not get censored because the masses and the people need to watch this now. This is a battle between good and evil, and I can tell you right now, good is losing unless people like you start to stand up and get loud about this subject. This isn't about politics. This isn't even about the country. This is about kids all over the world. This is happening. Please pay attention and share this with everyone you know. If you want to see the unedited stuff, it'll be on my Patreon, and it will be on Rumble in a few days. In Patreon, like I said, we demonetize this one. You, you alone, are who's making this possible. So thank you for the support, because if it wasn't for you, this wouldn't be happening. With that being said, I want to just say, Brian Montgomery, I'm real proud to know you, man. And it was a real honor to have you in here and get this interview 
and educate the world on what you're doing and how these predators are reaching our kids. And it's an honor to be your friend. Thank you. One last thing. If you did get anything out of this, please take 10 seconds out of your day and go to Spotify and go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review and tell us what you got out of this. That helps the algorithm push these episodes farther and get more reach. And this is a subject everybody needs to hear. Thank you. Ryan Montgomery, welcome to the Sean Ryan Show, man. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to have you. So I found you, I found a, a maybe a 30 second short on Instagram, and we'll get into that later, of you exposing, I believe it was a father who was exploiting his daughter in a bathtub. You had hacked in and exploited that. And so I reached out thinking, there's no way in hell this guy's gonna give me the time of day because it doesn't look like you're very active on the on the gram and then yeah. and then I got you. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, I'm just super excited to be here uh interviewing you right now. Dude, you are just you are doing amazing things, saving who knows how many kids. You know, I mean, if you think of the impact of what you're doing, you know, and we'll get into it you'll never know the full impact of how many kids that you've saved by kids smartening up about what they're doing online, parents smartening up about what their kids are doing online, and these pedophiles, right. you're gonna put the fear of God in them. Oh, for sure, and so that's, the, that's the goal. There's gonna be less of them preying on, on, on these kids. So anyways, we'll get into all that stuff. I just wanted to say, I'm, how excited I am about uh, this. Likewise, I'm very excited to be here, and uh, it, it means the world to me, and, and uh, especially that the, the, the reach that you have, uh, the amount of parents that will be educated based on some of the stuff that we talk about here, that even if we save one kid, it's, it's worth it. Yes. So let me give you a little bit of an intro here. You're the number one ranked ethical hacker in the world. You're a serial entrepreneur, cybersecurity professional, and now a child safety warrior with your company, 561PC. Uh, not my company, 561PC is not a company. My company is actually Pentester, which is a cybersecurity company, pentester.com. Okay. 561PC is uh, an organization that I created with my friend Dustin Lampros or Scrappy, he's a professional MMA fighter. We'll get into that soon. Mm -hmm. And your goal, Protecting children and trying to make South Florida and the world a better place by catching one child predator at a time. That's that's a damn good goal. Uh, you go by Zero Day on Instagram. You're like a modern day vigilante. Uh, just some stuff about your hacking life. Zero Day, code for a discovered <clears throat> security vulnerability with zero days to fix the flaw. That's the meaning of it. 19 plus years hacking, you're self-taught, no college, no formal education. You claim to have imposter syndrome. <laughs> uh, you mentor and teach others on how to learn this trade. You've made money from working with Amazon, PayPal, and Facebook. And you say that hacking is the best decision you've ever made in your life. Sometimes yeah. you hack up to 10 hours a day. 
Yeah, yeah, or more. But, uh, you know, working with some of those big companies there would be through bug bounty programs. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with them. I'm not. Uh, that was prior to, to uh, us starting Pentester.com, which is a cybersecurity platform for small, medium-sized businesses at the moment to make sure that they're safe online, to check for data leaks, to, to check, you know, where your face, where your identity is being broadcasted all over the Internet, um, which goes, you know, hand in hand with what we're, what we're doing with Predators. Um, and the, uh, sorry, I um, got mixed up there. It's all good. While you're thinking, it's every guest that comes on the show gets a gift. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, wow. There you go. Go ahead. Open it up. Got Vigilance, or no, Vigilance Elite Gummy Bears. That's right. Made in the USA, legal in all 50 states. Gummy bear. Right now. <laughs> and wow, how did you find out about this? We researched you. Wow. So I know you love rich cheese crackers. You eat, <laughs> what is it, chicken tenders every day at noon at Burger King and uh, Campbell's soup every night before you oh, go I, to bed. I quit the, I quit the, um, I quit the, the uh, Burger King. Um, and now I'm on to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> At twelve thirty, I do eat Ritz Ritz Bits cheese crackers um, every single day. Campbell's chicken noodle soup. Actually, I walked two miles last night to Walmart. I could have Ubered, but I walked two miles last night to Walmart to get uh, to get one single can of Campbell's chicken noodle soup, and uh, didn't realize there was a microwave in the hotel room. So I even contemplated putting the metal can on the iron to heat it up, so that <laughs> so that I could eat it last night. You walk two miles for a can of Campbell's soup to yeah, heat it up a, on an iron. For a 99-cent can of uh, Campbell's soup, yep. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it, well, if you come here again, I'll have that uh, wait in your hotel room for you. <laughs> no, it's all right. <laughs> but uh, so moving on in the interview, you have a interesting childhood, it sounds like, overcoming addiction. Uh, I want to get into your childhood, how you got into hacking. Mm -hmm. um, some of the stuff we can do to protect ourselves from hackers, what hackers are capable of, and then the second half of the interview, I want to get into all the stuff you're doing um, catching these predators. I think okay. that that's very interesting. This is going to be one of the most informative interviews I've ever done. But um, keeping it light right off the bat, how did you get how did you get involved with Facebook and Amazon and who is PayPal? Okay, so that was actually what I was thinking about prior to you giving me the awesome gifts, um, what a bug bounty program is. So I don't personally own a bug bounty program, um, but I work with you know a team. I have a, a team of hackers that we, we all work together on projects. Uh, we, and to do that legally, there's things called bug bounties. So uh, companies like Amazon, Facebook, YouTube, Netflix, all the huge companies out there, they offer, they offer uh, a monetary... Uh, value for a bug or a vulnerability that's found in their site. Um, so what I mean by help protect these large organizations, it is through their bug bounty program. They may not be a direct client of the company, or some of them may be, you know, but uh, can't really talk about that publicly. Um, but yes, uh, I've helped protect all of the all of the above. So basically, this is like some type of a red cell program where you try to penetrate these these big tech companies, and then they they basically give you they give you a reward if you reveal how you did it. 
Right. So you 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 have to reward how uh, I'm sorry. You have to reveal how you did it. So they'll let's say it's a, a informational bug. An informational bug could be you forgot that a page exists and it shows some uh, some empl- uh, some of your employees' information. So that may be informational if it doesn't impact anything further than that. Whereas something very critical, like I could get access to your server or all the credit cards or all your clients attached to your company, that would be a critical vulnerability. Um, And these companies are willing to pay depending on the severity of that vulnerability. So Apple, for example, if you were able to take over an iPhone, they'll pay you a million dollars for something like that. They'll pay you a million dollars. Yeah, a million dollars for it. With the, they call it a zero-click exploit, meaning I can send you something that you won't even know happened, and I have full access to your phone. Million-dollar bug bounty. Have you done that before? No, not, I haven't. Uh, I haven't personally found any any uh, bugs in the new iPhones. Um, but uh, if if I did, I'd be sure to report it to Apple. So, what, <laughs> if you don't mind me asking, what's the biggest bounty you've collected, and what was it for? Um, I can't tell you what it was for, uh, but I can tell you how because there's a disclosures and there's non-disclosures. So I can't I can't disclose the the company or what it, what the vulnerability was, but it was for over uh, it was one hundred twenty eight thousand dollars in credit on a platform. I chose that over the cash. Really? Mm-hmm. So these are these are good sized bounties. Yeah. How I, many how many bounties have you collected? Um. I don't know. I, quite quite a bit. Hundred, two hundred. Uh, but if you combine my team, hundreds. Hundreds. Yeah, but that isn't what I focus on anymore. Uh, it's I focus on the cybersecurity business, which okay. is all software, and uh, and that's you know a lot, a lot more guaranteed. Whereas bug bounty, not there's nothing nothing against people that do bug bounties, but it's not guaranteed uh, revenue or income. It's you 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 have to just keep taking shots at companies trying to find something and hope that you get paid where you, there's there's no stability in that. Uh, gotcha. There's, there's bug bounty hunters that make a million dollars, two million dollars a year, but then the next year maybe they make 10 grand or less or they make, or they spend, you know, six months on one project and they make zero dollars. Um, it's just not, sustain, it's not sustainable for me. Gotcha. Um, so I started a company with my business partners, Rick, Sean, and Dan. And uh, like I said, it's called pentester.com. It's very simple. You just go to the site, you put in the name of your website, you press scan, and it, it does a preliminary scan. Tells you what you know. Basically, if you if you if you have any like low-hanging fruit vulnerabilities uh, and leaks, you know, like passwords associated with your emails or your employees, and um, you can sign up for an account and do a more invasive scan that will give you a lot more information. Interesting. Interesting. Well, let's let's dive into your childhood. Sure. Where'd you grow up? I grew up outside of uh, right outside of West Philadelphia in uh, Delaware County, Pennsylvania, and uh, I yeah I lived there most of my life. What were you into as a kid? Um, for the most for the most part, I was uh, a normal kid. But after eighth grade or so, or starting eighth grade, I started to meet the wrong people. And I was in the wrong places, doing the wrong things. And um, I met some people that were on drugs that were a little older than me. And I started to uh, started to adapt. And I started to go to these... Uh, at that time, there was a rave scene in Philadelphia. And I really liked that. I loved going to the raves and uh, doing doing drugs, you know, and, and acting, acting like a 
nut, you know? And I, I was just a young kid that nobody knew that I, and I never told anybody my age back then. I, to be honest with you, I, I was lying to people about my age back then. And uh, those raves turned into getting, you know, doing ecstasy and other types of drugs at the raves. And I found out over time that uh, I didn't really like the raves as much as I liked the drugs. And then I figured out that when I took when I took something to come down from the ecstasy that I actually liked what I was coming down from the ecstasy with more than I liked the ecstasy. Really? And, yeah, which, which was uh, opiates. And uh, that turned into a bigger problem. Yeah, that can turn into a massive problem. Did, yeah. you, did you think you were a full-on addict? Um, at the time, yeah. I was, in, I was in full belief that I was a drug addict. You know, I was physically withdrawing from opiates at one point in my life. So, yeah, I had every reason to believe that I was. Um, and uh, I don't know how far you want to go into it at this point, but there was... There was a time where I realized that I went through a bad phase as a child, but I do know that addiction exists. I have a lot of it in my family, um, especially my dad's side, and um, and I did some things to combat that, uh, you know, because of those reasons. But uh, me personally, I haven't used drugs or alcohol in a very long time since I was a child, pretty much, and um, no drugs. Just, uh, but I wouldn't say that I'm in recovery either. I just, I, I kind of moved away from that. What was the family life like? Good family life? You close with your parents? So I, I was, I'm, I'm very close with my mom. Uh, my grandfather passed away a few years ago, and he was like a father to me. He, he, uh, he raised me, you know, the best father I could have asked for. Um, I wouldn't know what a father's like without him. And he passed a few years ago, and it was very rough, but I was blessed to be there. I was with him uh, when he passed. And he had a great life, and he was a great man. My mom, my mom is absolutely fantastic, has been supportive with me, even at my absolute worst. And um, I put her through hell. Um, and uh, as for my dad, he's been, he's been in and out of my life. Uh, he, I, I, w during this interview, while we speak right now, he is currently uh, in jail for, uh, for something, something stupid this time. It was... You know, drinking, I think he had an open container of alcohol and he stole some stuff from Kohl's. But, uh, you know, my dad and I, you know, I have some stepbrothers and sisters that I love. And, and he, when he's, when he's messed up on drugs and alcohol, he's not the best dad. So yeah. we, you know, we go on and off talking to each other. So from what I understand, you're a high school dropout. I am, yeah. What grade did you drop out? Going into 10th grade. Going into 10th grade. Yes. So you have up to a 9th grade education. Yeah, technically, yeah. And you are the number one ethical hacker in the world. How did you get into hacking? Um, it kind of it kind of just happened because I was very young uh, and it didn't just happen. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that hap happened in between it. But when I was very young, my grandparents had a computer at the house. And I don't know if you remember this, but back in the day, AOL used to send floppy disks in the mail and they give you a trial. And um, I remember the shape of the floppy disk and I remember seeing the front of this desktop that my grandpa, I, I think he brought it home from work or something back then. And I remember seeing the shape of the floppy disk and there was a little icon of it on the desktop computer. And I was like, I wonder what would happen if I put this, uh, this floppy disk in the computer. 
and I saw the AOL logo from the mail show up on the computer screen. And it blew my mind as a kid. <laughs> it blew my mind. I was like, how did that just happen? You know, How, how old are you? I'm right. 29. No, I mean, how old are you at this time? Uh, I had to have been like eight, nine years old at that time, maybe. Okay. Um, and, uh, and that blew my mind and I wanted to know how it worked. You know, from that point on, I just had this obsession with how, how do computers work? Why did that just come from a piece of cardboard and show up on the screen? And, uh, you know, I, I just kept learning and learning about computers and learning, you know, fixing computers and meeting people, you know, that on the internet through AOL instant messenger and other, other apps. And then I found, um, it actually started with a, a marketing marketing community at first, um, people that were doing digital marketing back in the AOL days, so just spamming out massive amount of emails, like millions and millions of emails. But then in that community, there were some hackers, you know, people that were writing automation tools and finding exploits and finding ways to convert on ads better and this and that. And I ran across this one guy who ended up going to prison later for, for hacking, uh, I believe it was AT&T and a few other major cellular carriers. He, was, he, he stole some prepaid minutes. And back then, prepaid minutes were a big deal. So he stole millions of dollars worth of prepaid minutes with a, his partner in crime, Edwin. Was, Edwin was his partner, and the guy that I'm talking about is Robert Moore, and his hacker name he went by Moore-er, Moore-R. And uh, he, ended up, uh, he ended up stealing these credits, and Edwin would go to these places all over the, the malls and the small cell phone stores, and he would resell these credits for a cheaper price than the carriers would sell them for. So they sold, like I said, a ton of those. And uh, Edwin decided to leave the country. He left the country. He was doing all this fancy stuff, private jets, yachts, hotels, girls, cars, doing it all. While Rob was sitting at home, you know, hacking for this guy. This guy wasn't doing anything but selling the minutes. And, and then Rob, you know, gets a knock on the door, it's the FBI, and they, they come in, they seize everything he has. Rob ends up out of all of this, out of millions of dollars worth of sold minutes, Rob ends up with like 20 grand in profit and two years in federal prison. And uh, they confiscated all of his stuff, everything that he had. And he gets out of prison, they, uh, and Edwin's on the run. They finally get Edwin. I believe Edwin got like 10 years or something, which he deserves it, honestly, because uh, he took advantage of Rob. In a weak, weak point in Rob's life, he took advantage, and Rob is not meant for federal prison, he, and you know, he ended up there. But yeah, Rob is the person that, uh, from the, like I was saying with the instant messenger chats, Rob's the person that motivated me to learn about hacking and spent the time with me and showed me some things that, because there weren't there weren't learning sites like Try Hack Me or, or uh, you know, GitHub.com or any or Stack Overflow or Google. There wasn't none of that existed back then, so you couldn't look up, uh, you know, certain methodologies or hacking or how to do reconnaissance. You, there was no, there was there it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Rob gave me gave me some pointers. Uh, it's it's not a cookie cutter thing. Hacking is very broad. So let's let's backtrack real quick. How old? So you're, I believe you said you started hacking at ten years old. Eleven. Yeah. Eleven. Turning years eleven. Old. Yeah, about eleven. So I would what, say eleven. At what point are you conversing with with more? Probably when I was eleven. He might not have known I was eleven. But how did you guys like? How did you find him? Uh, group chats. You know, back in the AIM days. How does that? 
I mean, how does that conversation go? <laughs> hey, I'm looking for some hackers to teach me uh, a couple things. No, no, I just I was do I was marketing, and uh, and interested. You know, I was just active in the communities, and I knew what Rob was capable of. He could do some really cool stuff with a computer, and it was really just asking questions. You know, and Rob and I got along so well. And, uh, you know, I actually flew out to see him later in life uh, to Washington State. I stayed with him for a week. But, uh, you know, some, we kicked it off for some reason. I don't know what that reason was. I can't remember that far back. But uh, Rob, was, Rob was the person that helped me at least get started in what I, what I do today. What were you wanting to hack in at 11? Uh, I think I was more interested in just shutting people's internet connections off, like simple stuff, you know, nothing, nothing crazy. And making money, marketing, you know, it's... You know, a lot of 11-year-olds would probably not think about selling things on the internet, but I wasn't making a ton of money as a kid. I didn't have rich parents or anything like that, and I wanted to make money ASAP. And I knew that digital marketing, at like the groups that I was in, I was seeing all these people making fortunes selling, you know, one example, we, uh, we, we were selling acai weight loss berries, and it was a huge thing back in the day. Um, and there were some affiliate marketers making 30 grand a day doing AOL spams, making millions, millions of, uh, millions of emails per day, making 30 grand a day on average. It would blow my mind. And I, I don't remember every specific about names and what programs they were on, uh, like affiliate programs they were on back then, but I knew I wanted to be involved in that. And I thought that automating it and finding exploits in, you know, in, I guess, websites or people's, people's computers, uh, would enhance my my profits, and uh, it did. It definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but then all the money that I made there, uh, all the money I made, you know, it all went to drugs and and doing dumb stuff. But you know, I wouldn't take it back because I learned a lot. I grew up quick, and uh, and there's some benefits there and some things that aren't so good there. But well, let's let's keep let's stick with childhood hacking. So mm -hmm. what? point in your childhood did you start making money doing this? Uh, probably probably 12 years, 11, 12 years old. I was, all, I was right into it. I mean, how much money are we talking? A couple grand here and there, which that's is a lot, lot for a kid. Yeah. That's a lot for a 12-year-old. It felt like a billion dollars to me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so were you always an ethical hacker? No. What are some of the things that you've done that you've hacked into? What's, what's one of the... <laughs> Give us some examples. So uh, I guess depends on what you want to know, like uh, people or organizations or both. Let's go into all of it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean, there's. I'm limited. I'm limited by what I could say here. I know there's a statute of limitations. I'm sure I'd be fine, but there's some things that I would. I regret that I would take back. Um, but uh, well, there is one thing out there that's public. There's a rap song that mentions me uh, about. You know, are you familiar with crypto mining? Like, yes. Okay, so uh, I hacked a ton of computers. Uh, I, I had a method. I won't explain the method because it still could work today, um, where I could infect computers with malware. And a lot of people that infect computers with malware, which is just people, you know, if you don't know what malware is, it comes in various forms, but the type that I'm talking about is called a remote access Trojan. And that's like the equivalent of me standing in front of your computer uh, with full access to it, and I can, you know, I can look through your webcam, I can control your keyboard, your mouse, look at your screen, do anything I want without you knowing that I'm there. And um, I infected a ton of computers, 
And instead of having the remote access Trojan functionality where I could do, you know, I could take control of these computers, I decided to do crypto mining. Um, so at that time, it was just Bitcoin and uh, Litecoin. And, um, you know, I had quite quite a bit of uh, infected computers mining at all times. Uh, the thing that I did that was, if you could say nice, uh, was that when the computer was idle, it would use 100% of the, the processor and the graphics card to mine the coins. Um, and when the computer was in use, it would only use 20%. So they wouldn't, you know, have a horrible experience with their computer just being bogged down the entire time. But uh, that was, a, uh, I guess... When so Bitcoin you had, started around so that time. So you had hacked into how many computers? Hundred thousands. Thousands. Tens of, of thousands. Yeah, probably tens of thousands. And so all of these these tens of thousands of computers are mining cryptocurrency and going into your account? They were going into a pool. So uh, pooled mining is a lot of people mining together and then all of the uh, like whoever's putting in the most, like I guess it, the, the reward is split based upon the um, uh, the contribution. So if you're contributing twice as much as me, you'll get twice as much of a profit. Um, so it was all being sent to a specific pool offshores. Why did that stop? Um, I have morals, you know, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it, there was there was there was a situation that came up where obviously the bots. You know, if let's say I had to change a pool or something went wrong, they had to be updated across the board. You know, every single bot would have to be updated to be pointed at a different address. Um, I still had access to be able to do that. And I was in, in a community at that time with some bad people who wanted to, you know, kind of buy access to my bots. And I wasn't okay with that. And, um, it kind of lined up perfectly with another business opportunity that I had in life where I kind of just said, you know what, screw this, I'm done, I'm not taking the risk. You know, if I get in trouble with what they call a botnet, uh, if I get in trouble with this botnet, I'm doing a long time in prison and it's just, it's not worth it to me. I, I can't get in trouble. And uh, I stopped. I stopped on my own will. I didn't get caught. Um, there was people that knew about it, you know, hackers, they, they may not have known it was me. Now, now they know it's me, but at the time they didn't know that it was me. Um, but no, I didn't get caught and I'm past the statute of limitations. I didn't hurt anybody. Maybe, I, maybe your power bill went up a couple cents, but that's about it. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that was the extent of that specific, uh, hack. Was that, was that the one that, was that the, the hack that changed you, that turned you into ethical or, or was there? Oh, uh, I would say, yeah, I, I would say, yeah, yeah, because, um, Around that time, I switched to doing cybersecurity and and uh, starting the other businesses that that you know we're going to talk about. It's so yeah, I would say yeah, yeah. I, I never really thought of it till now, but that's when that's yeah. I would say that's when I became an ethical hacker rather than a gray hat or a black hat hacker. What well, what is a gray hat hacker? Gray hat is in between. So somebody that like uh, for example, if I went to your website, I hacked your website and I sent you an email and said, hey, I found a vulnerability in your site. You could call you know, the FBI and say, hey, this guy just hacked my site and I didn't give him permission. Or you could say, thank you. You know, that's a gray hat hacker. And a black hat? Black hat just, you know, takes over your website, tells you, hey, you better pay me or I'm releasing all your information or deleting your site. And uh, here's all the information about you and your wife and your family and everything, blah, 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 blah. Uh, black hat hackers are, you know, they, they're kind of ruthless. 
So you're in the cryptocurrency business, being a hacker, or you were, would, is this the way of the future? Are we going to, what do you think? What's your opinion on this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, cybersecurity and keeping yourself protected on the internet is the future. If you're not paying attention to that now, uh, you, I mean, and you're not seeing your browser that's warning you, the TV that's warning you, the constant news, the constant ransomware notices. I mean, if you haven't heard about the active breaches right now on all of these major websites and you're not doing anything about it, you really should start because it is the future and it's only gonna get more uh, intense and it's only gonna get more dangerous. And uh, everything that you have like, you know, is attached to the internet, everything. I mean, unless you live out in the middle of nowhere with no internet connection, and even, even the power in your house is controlled by a, a remote switch. You know, like what if I turned off your power for a week and you live out in the middle of nowhere? You just, you really have to take your security seriously. That's just a random thought, but it's a possibility. I meant, I actually, I'm glad you brought that up, but I actually meant cryptocurrency. What's your opinion on cryptocurrency? Mm. Is it here to stay? It's very volatile. Very volatile. Uh, I think that Bitcoin's here to stay. Do you? Yeah. Are yeah. you all in on Bitcoin? Um, can't confirm or deny. <laughs> Would you like to see Bitcoin? I would love to see Bitcoin hit the moon. I mean, it's doing well at this moment. It's around 30 grand. But uh, I would love to see what it was projected to be at in the hundred thousands, possibly a million a coin. You think that's possible? Absolutely. I mean, it was when I started, it was only, a, you know, maybe a couple dollars at the most per Damn. coin. Damn. <clears throat> well, what brought you to South Florida? I, I got so... I started a, a marketing company for uh, to help people get into drug and alcohol rehab. And uh, for anyone that's familiar with that topic, they're gonna think, okay, well, he had a marketing company, he was doing a thing called patient brokering, which is a felony. And I was not doing that, I didn't even know what that was at the time. I just knew I could generate leads from the internet. And I started this company called The Treatment Source, uh, which was just a website that they filled out a survey and the survey would bring them to a 1-800 number uh, if they had mental health or substance abuse. Uh, they changed the term, substance use issues. Um, and I would send, then send those patients or clients to uh, a drug and alcohol rehab in South Florida. And I was generating a ton of clients and doing really well with the internet marketing campaigns. And one day I get a call from a guy who says to, you know, he was like, hey, you won't come to Flor Fort Lauderdale Airport right now. And this is like, you know, right when I'm waking up. And I was like, yeah, I will. Like, I was just, you know, he thought I was joking. I called him a couple hours later. I booked my flight and uh, I was like, hey, I'm at the Fort Lauderdale Airport. He didn't believe me. And he picks me up at the airport. And, um, he, you know, he was blown away that I even showed up there. But, you know, I had just like a week's worth of stuff packed with me. And when I got back to his house, we were talking about, you know, like the rehab business and, you know, the marketing and all the, the intricacies of the industry. And we became good friends at that point. And um, I, I uh, you know, I was thinking, well, why don't I start a rehab? You know, like maybe, maybe I could do this myself. If I can generate the business for a rehab, maybe we can, we could do it together. So he was like, yeah, well, I own one now, obviously, because he was one of my, my customers at that time. And he decided to sell his shares in his rehab and use that to buy, uh, or I'm sorry, to invest into one with me. And uh, we started a treatment center together. 
and uh, I decided to move to Florida. So I went back to PA, I put my car on the back of a U-Haul, filled it up with all my stuff, drove down to Florida from Pennsylvania and never looked back and started a uh, drug and alcohol and mental health facility. How old are you at this point? 22. You started a rehab at age 22? Yeah, I think I was the youngest owners in the treatment world at that time, yeah. Wow. What? <clears throat> so what was your motivation for this? Because uh, you are, from, what, from our research, you are all about helping humans. Yeah, yeah. So my motivation was, um, you know, I, like I said earlier, that, you know, my family, uh, my dad's side specifically had some serious drug issues, still, still dealing with them. I went through some serious drug issues. Uh, I, you know, a lot of friends of mine have gone through drug issues or still going through drug issues. Um, and I just, you know, I, maybe I got this from my mom, my grandma, my grandpa, but like, I just love to help people. I don't know what it is. It's, it makes me happy. And uh, I guess, what would that be? Hospitality? It's, uh, hospitality has always just been something that makes me happy. Well, you had some pretty tragic experiences as well, if I remember correctly. Do you want to go into any of those? Uh, uh, well, there's a lot of them. So are you talking more of the addiction side of things? Or yeah, the, you had a couple friends die. Mm-hmm. So I've had a lot of friends die due to... Uh, to heroin overdose or carfentanil, fentanyl, butylfentanil, acetylfentanil, and all of the different fentanyls that are getting over here and being, you know, put in this, in heroin. And, and I understand that they chose to use drugs, regardless of what was in it, but they definitely weren't planning on dying. Mm -hmm. um, I'll tell you, uh, I mean, I lost my my uncle Richie to an overdose. Um, I lost my best friend Ricky uh, Rivas to an overdose, and. Uh, I was, you know, I'll tell you that story because this is, this is how something else happened. But I got a call from, uh, from Ricky's parents uh, a couple years back. And, uh, and they were like, you know, I haven't heard from Ricky since this morning. And uh, do you mind going over there and checking on him? And he was about a 15-minute drive from me. And he wasn't answering my phone calls. And at this time, he wasn't on drugs. He wasn't messing up or anything. He worked for me at the rehab. And we spent every day together. Um, so I go to his, I go to his uh, condo, I walk in the door and, uh, you know, I look to my left and I see him in the bathroom and he had his face up against the, uh, the vanity and, you know, he was wearing his, wearing his shorts and I saw that he had a needle and a spoon and just, you know, it didn't look good. So I ran over and I tried to wake him up and he wasn't waking up. So I called 911 and uh, I'm running down through the elevator to go to get, I didn't even, I didn't think anything was wrong with him. So I didn't bring Narcan upstairs or anything. Like Narcan's what saves opiate addicts from overdosing. So I ran to my car, I grabbed that. 911's telling me what to do. I get back to the room and uh, you know, they told me to take him off the toilet and put him on the floor. And his body was still in the position that it was in when I saw oh, him sitting shit. there. And his face was sideways from being on the vanity. And I'm still in denial at this point. I gave him the Narcan in his leg. I was, uh, you know, giving him CPR like they said to do. And um, I just, uh, uh, I remember when the, the cops showed up and the ambulance showed up, they, they, uh, they didn't talk to his parents. I did. I told his parents that their son was gone, and uh, which I thought was a little bit ridiculous. I thought that the detective should be the one handling that, especially with how I was, you know, I wasn't, I was crying my eyes out, like he lost my best friend, you know? No. Um, sorry. 
I lost my best friend to addiction, too. Yeah? Yep. Oh, <clears throat> sorry. Yeah, my best friend, uh, he was a SEAL. I worked with him at the agency. Uh, he experienced a lot of trauma, became addicted to opiates uh, for injuries, and that just became a you know straight addiction. They cut the pills. He went to heroin, and um, he... I spent a lot of time trying to get him better. Moved in with me, got him back on his feet, got his family involved, got him into therapy. I mean, it was, I love this motherfucker. You know, we'd been through a lot of shit together. And um, he, he was a phenomenal hockey player. And, you know, I used to live in Boca Raton too. And, and so he would, he lived uh, right by me and he kept telling me he wanted to start this hockey nonprofit for wounded warriors and that he was going to get the Panthers to sponsor it. Now, he wasn't, he's one of the smartest human beings I've ever met in my life, even when he was high. But as it got worse and worse, he, I mean, you didn't even, just his appearance, you didn't even want to be around him. He just looked sick. And I was in the back of my head, I was like, yeah, okay, you're gonna get the Panthers on board. Well, I'll be damned, the son of a bitch got the fucking Panthers wow. on board. <laughs> and um, he, I, th I think it was the, the first NHL team to sponsor um, a wounded war. You had to be a disabled veteran to play on the hockey team. Okay. They, he had somebody helping him. The Panthers called the guy that was helping him to tell him, hey, we're gonna do it. We're gonna sponsor the team. You got the NHL wow. sponsor, we're gonna sponsor the team. That guy went over to tell him, hey dude, you did it. Yeah. And uh, nobody answered the door. And uh, trying to keep my shit together here. Yeah. But um, I understand. Yeah, he didn't answer the door. Um, got on a stool to see, you know, the top part and and there he was, laying on the floor, you know, and... Um, Sorry to hear that, man. Yeah. I know, so I, I know what it feels like. I just want to want you to know I can relate. And uh, I've lost a lot of lot of friends to addiction. Likewise. And, uh, that was the first one, obviously, that happened to me. And, uh, and I, you know, I found them. And uh, it's, I can't explain that and, you know, you can't bring them back. But what you can do is educate people and try to help more people so that doesn't happen to them. And you can't fix everybody. You know, you can't get it through everybody's head that they need to stop. And it's dangerous. And it's not just heroin and opiates like it used to be. It's, no. uh, you know, it's coke. It's meth. It's uh, it's painkillers that are pressed. It's Xanax. It's They all are being cut with fentanyl. This isn't a conspiracy theory. It's fact. I mean, the number one leading cause of death, 18 to 49 right now, is fentanyl. Um, that's more than car accidents, more than anything else. 18 to 49 years old, fentanyl. So any drug that you're doing, you have to be careful that, you know, well, not be careful. You have to, you have to just try to get away from it or get a testing kit. If you, if you refuse to stop doing drugs, get testing kits because fentanyl will kill you. Yeah. And, uh, 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty rough. But with the rehab uh, program, at around that time, not not long before I lost Ricky, I lost another friend, Drew, and uh, and my business partner at that time. You know, him and I, we both you know were friends with Drew, and I was I was closer with uh, with Ricky, and um, we decided to start a scholarship program, and it was called. Uh, we named it the Drew Drew Badgley Scholarship Program, which was to help people get into drug rehab that didn't have the financial means to to pay. And the reason you know that's important is because when I was a kid, I didn't have private health insurance or or money, so there was no way I was going to a nice facility like one I had or other ones in Florida or other states that are private. The the um, the government facilities. You know, they take Medicare, Medicaid, but some of them have two, three month wait, waiting lists. Addicts can't wait two, three months. You know, they die, and you know, as you know, it could take it could take one bad dose, they're dead. Yeah. So, having a private facility and somebody that really wants to get clean, uh, it's if if they don't have the right insurance or the right money, you have to turn them down. And it just bothered me so much that you can't help somebody that I was in their shoes. You know, I wanted help or, or people in my family wanted help and couldn't get it. And I, I started that scholarship program with my old business partner and we brought a ton of people in probably over a hundred in, in the seven years, seven or so years that I was there. Um, it, it may be even more than that, but at least, a, at least a hundred and, um, you know, full scholarship. No, not a, they didn't spend a dollar. And, a lot of them did well. Some of them relapsed. You know, you can't fix everybody. But uh, you know, it, we turned that it, after after you know time went on. We we adapted to how you know the scholarship program. We we built programs around that. We built programs around trauma. We built programs around you know specifically mental health, specifically uh, co-occurring mental health and substance use disorder. All all kinds of different things. Uh, and then we branched out. So we opened a detox, which was another facility, because uh, at that point we had partial hospitalization, uh, intensive outpatient, and outpatient, but we didn't have detox. So we were sending them to other facilities, and then we would take them. So then we had two facilities, and then we realized, okay, well, a lot of our people we were getting are coming from New Jersey or Pennsylvania, New York, Virginia, Massachusetts, up in that area. So we decided to start another facility in New Jersey. And uh, we started, uh, it was called the Shore Detox, but it got changed again. The name of it got changed. And um, I sold my shares in, in the rehab about two and a half, two and a half, three years ago, right around the time that, uh, that I started to, you know, catch the predators. Um, and I got into the software as a service world and buying software companies and operating them and selling them. So you are an amazing human being, man. Thanks. To, to, to do something that has that amount of impact at that young age. I mean, that's just, to, just to do it in general is amazing. You know, and you did it at what, what'd you say? 22? 22. Yeah. That's incredible. You realize Thanks. that? I, I appreciate it. You're welcome. It's, I'm still on it. I'm still on the mission. It's not over, you know? Good for you, it's, man. It's, uh, there's so much more to come. And, and one spot that I forgot there was the uh, electronic medical record system that we use, like the same thing you would see at your doctor when they put in notes about you being, you know, at the, your visit. Um, we used one called, uh, I won't say the name, but we used one and, uh, and I got involved with those guys afterwards. And uh, like after I sold my shares, I went right to their office and I set up one of those plastic tables, put my computer in there, even though I wasn't involved at that time in that business. Um, 
I wanted to work out of their office because I liked the software world. And uh, at that point, I wasn't sure if I was going to do digital marketing or I was going to do cybersecurity or both. But being around them every day, I was like, yeah, I got to do it with them. So I got involved with their businesses. And then we decided together we're going to do a ton of a ton of software companies. And uh, that's where we're at now, like I said, with Pentester.com and, and many more. But that's the one that makes the most sense to talk about here today. Well, let's, uh, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll dive into that. Okay. Cool. Here's the situation. You've got China, Russia, Ukraine, the border. The banks seem to be collapsing. Plus, the Chinese just negotiated with Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Brazil to drop the U.S. dollar. And most Americans, including myself, feel that we're in a recession right now. But despite all the evidence, I can't tell you what's going to happen for sure. Nobody can. Yet when it comes to your money, you should understand what's at stake. That's why I partnered with Gold Co. to possibly help at times like this. Go to SeanLikesGold.com or call 855-936-GOLD to get your free gold and silver kit. The kit shows you how to defend your money with precious metals and how listeners of the show could get up to $10,000 in bonus silver. Go to SeanLikesGold.com or call 855-936-GOLD to get your free gold and silver kit. I can't predict the future, but I can certainly prepare for it. So go to SeanLikesGold.com or call 855-936-GOLD now. Performance may vary. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. If you're 21 years or older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo and how it's changing America for millions of consumers. Those of you that know who I am know that I spent a career in the SEAL teams and its Central Intelligence Agency. The majority of the time in those was conducting operations. And while on those operations, something that we did all the time was chew tobacco. It became kind of like a ritual. And I know of a lot of you out there who listen to me love that ritual, and I just want you to know I get it. Black Buffalo even has long cut, and their pouches are award-winning for all you guys out there using those white portion things. Black Buffalo has bold flavors and full pouches. Black Buffalo is full of flavor. It feels legit when you pack it and most importantly is tobacco leaf and stem free. So if you're 21 or older, currently use nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can buy their products there and they ship directly to most states or check out their store locator to purchase at thousands of retail locations around the country. Born in the Midwest, raised in the South, Charge ahead with Black Buffalo. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. All right, Ryan, we're back from the break. We're getting ready to dive into your company, Pentester. So what is Pentester? Pentester is a software solution for cybersecurity uh, and protection. So we, it, it, you know, there's a pen test, a manual pen test, where somebody would go on into your company or a group of people, where they would check down a list of boxes of things for your compliance, uh, look for vulnerabilities based upon your platform, and give you a report of findings, uh, you know, vulnerabilities. Uh, Pentester.com, it can get confusing because pen testing and pentester.com are like 
pen testing is a term. Pentester.com is the name of my company. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, what we do is we try to automate as much of what a pen test, uh, a pen tester would do uh, digitally. So pentester.com is an automated web scanning framework as of right now. We're building it out to be more of a, um, more than, than just a web scanner and, um, Sorry, I'm getting mixed up. No, it's, it's fine. It's, so let me let me just ask this then. So it's hard to explain. So I'm trying to make everybody understand. Let me. Yeah, I get it. Because I'm a dummy with this stuff. Not so. you. Not. <laughs> um, so let me ask you a question then. So if I go to pentester.com and I type in seanryanshow.com, yeah. what, what kind of vulnerabilities might I have? Here's my website. I basically, I sell gummy bears <laughs> on it, and uh, we post upcoming episodes your episode is going to be on there uh we collect email addresses mm -hmm. um for a database to to uh we send out a free newsletter all the time right and then we got like some if you want to if you want to apply for a job here every once in a while we'll post that they can uh run their resumes we just did a thing where we're looking for a new video editor for shorts and mm -hmm. they're sending in a bunch of um we having a competition for it, but for, so for a website like, and we have advertising in, inquiries for a website like that, it's run off Shopify, Shopify, what, what okay. kind of vulnerabilities would I be looking at? So you're the, there's many things. The first thing that came to mind was, uh, was email breaches. So if you have like contact at seanryan.com, uh, is that your website? Seanryan.com? Seanryanshow.com. Seanryanshow.com. So uh, contact at seanryanshow.com or, you know, Sean Ryan at, at the website or any, anyone that works here. I can, I can look up that domain with Pentester and see if it's been involved in any breaches or if it's been involved in any uh, botnet traffic where it's scraped all of the cookies and passwords from people's browsers. Okay, that would, hold on. What is bot, botnet what? Tracking? Traffic. Botnet traffic. Right. So let's say you were infected with some type of malware and that person grabs from your, your Chrome or your Safari all of the saved passwords and all of the, the sessions, like a website. To be signed into a website, you have to have a session. So if I took that session and replaced mine with yours, now I'm you without a password. So some of that stuff gets released on the dark web or, or you know, uh, it's Tor. I like to call it Tor, T-O-R, the onion router. That's what the dark web is. Um, but it gets released there and sometimes on the publicly facing web. And uh, a lot of people aren't aware of what information is actually out there. So when you put your website into Pentester, uh, you get a preliminary report that shows all of that data that has been exposed related to your domain name. Well, it goes a little further than that because let's say it doesn't find anything. Maybe you're a brand new website and you know Shopify is, is doing a good job with all of the plugins you're using. Because remember, each one of those plugins is by an individual creator that could have messed up at any point in their code. So you're only as strong as your, your strongest plugin. Um, so that's one thing there. Shopify has their own security and then you have your own security based on your plugins. Uh, as for the emails, let's say I get nothing with the SeanRyanShow.com. Now I'm going to start looking into the Gmail accounts of in the Gmail, Hotmail, AOL, Yahoo, whatever. Uh, of all of your employees, your family, and then I'm going to see breaches associated with them, which I guarantee you that there is. Like I, I'm so sure that if I pulled my laptop out 
and I put in one of your personal emails that I will have at least one of your passwords. And that password could be reused for Shopify, or maybe it's used to access that list of data with your customers that you were saying you have a, with the client list, the newsletters, the, the applicants for you know the jobs. Uh, it, maybe it's the same password you use for that. And now I have access to that data that I could either ransom you with, I could escalate my permissions on Shopify with and take over your entire site. Uh, maybe it's the credentials to your social media platform, uh, like uh, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, you, whatever you're on, you know, those credentials could be reused. So it is important, like, as you said, using a password manager, because all it takes is someone like me or with a bad, you know, bad moral compass to take advantage of everything that you that you have. Could you could you demonstrate that right now? Yeah. Just type it in my email. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> I'll try the Sean Ryan show first. Dot com, right? Yeah. Okay, so we have There is some some sensitive information, but nothing uh, nothing that would be a big deal. I can show you. I could show it to you actually if you want. It's not going to hurt anything. Yeah, let's see it. So it's not. This isn't specifically passwords there, um, but uh, it is what came from, you know, leaks on the internet. This isn't. You know, it isn't anything other than uh, leaked data. So nothing there is sensitive to my to my eyes. So we're doing a good job. For the Sean Ryan show, but if you throw in one of your Gmails there or something, any other email that you may be using for a long period of time. Just type it in here? Yep. Take a second to load. It's, it loads over 140 billion records. Nothing. Nothing on that website. Is there's two E's supposed to be there? Yeah. Yeah, I would assume so. No shit. There's, I don't All see right, them. my I mean, IT guy's going to uh, live to see another paycheck. Well, it's not It's not your <laughs> IT guy, though. <laughs> Even uh, that one just doesn't seem to be registered with a bunch of accounts. Like, for example, if you were in 2019 LinkedIn breach for, or, like, or Dropbox, if you use any of that, like Vigilante. Vigilance Elite. I, I keep saying com. Vigilante. I'm sorry. Vig, uh, Vigilance elite um i do have this password <laughs> and i do have the address whose address in uh i have a apartment in interesting i have uh an ip address for i have an address in where we're at right now with the zip code ending in six four and a phone number ending in all that shit's on there? Yeah. And I have a lot more than that. If you want to look, take a look yourself. Oh, yeah. Let me take a look. Yeah. This, I'm halfway through. If you can scroll up and down. How do we clean this up? You can't. You just got to change. You got to change the information if you don't want it there. There is no way to get rid of it. Okay. So what? Oh, my gosh. 
So that's why small and medium-sized businesses that don't realize that they're a target, they're more of a target than they think. Uh, they get attacked um, because they either have exposed credentials out there or they're using old technology and they just get grouped in with a ton of other people that are you know, similar targets. Uh, a lot of them don't realize they need to take their cybersecurity more seriously. And Pentester, like, and I'm, this is kind of like a shameless plug, but like for 50 bucks a month, it's it's worth the money. You know, we are the cheapest, to my knowledge, in the cybersecurity world. And we're not only giving you a software solution, but we're giving you a hands-on, you know, manual confirmation for anything that we're not sure of. So for 50 bucks, like, if someone would have offered that to me, uh, prior to being a hacker myself, I, I was a little kid, but let's just say I wasn't ever, you know, I would, I'd be more than happy to pay $50 a month for something like this. This is just one of the, one of many things we offer. Okay. You know, this, this, so this, is, yeah. is my website safe for customers? That's up to you to decide. I mean, I haven't run a scan. This is just a breach check. Oh, that's just a breach check? Yeah. Yeah, and this is, we have more records than literally anyone else on the internet. So we, we're going to be able to tell you more than, than, uh, than most, you know, most people. Some people are going to have access to these private databases that we have, as well as the public ones. Um, but if you download certain other competition websites that say, or I'm sorry, sign up for other competition websites that say um, that they offer breach protection or the leak, leak uh, protection, breach or leak protection is what they'll say. Um, they don't have a database as big as ours. I'm sure of it. I mean, I'm very confident in that. And this is without running, like I said, this is without running a scan. So, you know, like I'll keep it, I'll keep the computer ready for when you want to see a face, but I'll show you how wild that can get. Let's do that. Oh, you want to see it? Yeah, let's do it. <clears throat> so describe what you're going to do. So I'm going to, do you want, I could do my face, your face, anyone's face that you want to do. Does it? You just tell me who's. Yeah, facing. we can do my face. Okay, it's going to be a lot of pictures of you, obviously because of your podcast. But so basically, what you're doing is you're taking a photo of me. It's going to do the facial recognition and find every image on the internet that has my face in it. Yeah. Whether I'm tagged in it or not. Yeah. Like it's strict. You could find my face in the middle of uh, the Super Bowl stadium. As long as it's on the internet. So yeah, let me take a picture and send it to myself. Um, okay. So I took a picture of your face and you can see, it's just a picture that this has never been on the internet, right? That is a really good looking man right there. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so I uploaded that to, uh, to here. So you took a picture. Yep. And now, now you can go through these and see if there's anything that's not, not. I don't know if there's going to be anything that you don't want on there or not. But if you click them, it will give you a link to where, uh, where that picture's hosted at. But remember, I used a picture that was never on the internet to find those photos of you. So it measured your face, it measured 120 points on your face, associated a picture that's never touched the internet with you. And uh, for somebody that doesn't have as big of a following or as many photos out there, there may be less results, but you could be in a photo that you're not aware of, or, uh, or there could be some stuff out there that you would want to be aware of. Oh, wow. This is really, this is like everything. Yeah. It just keeps going. 
cool stuff. That's insane. <clears throat> like most people, you'd be crazy not to pay $50 for that as a business. It's just that getting that messaging in somebody's, in somebody's hands, uh, and, and, or I'm sorry, in somebody's brain. When they look at the website or they, they see an ad for, hey, are you taking your cybersecurity seriously? Um, and then they run their website through a light scan. They see, here's some breach credentials. Here's some pictures that we found on your site. Here's some vulnerabilities. And you have an option to sign up for free, which you get a, your preliminary report for free. And then you have your option for $50 for a small business. And you just say, you know what, screw it. I don't need that. I just, I can't comprehend why you wouldn't want that. So, yeah. Damn. Let's talk about the dark web. So sure. I hear a lot about the dark web. Well, yeah, you it's can a buzzword. Drugs on it. You can find child pornography on it. You can, you, it sounds like it's just the, the black market, the new black market, correct? Yeah. So what, I've heard about it. I know about it. I know it's all stuff you shouldn't be doing. What? How do you get on it? What? Is, where is it? Okay, so the dark web itself isn't a marketplace, like what you're thinking. All right, so the so the black market or whatever you want to call it. Once you're connected to the dark web, tour the onion router, what I was explaining before, you still need to know where to go to visit these horrible websites, and they're like you know imagine a very long string of letters and numbers, and the website instead of .com, it'd be .onion. You can't visit those websites in a regular browser. You have to do that while you're connected to the Onion Router, which you could download at the Tor, TOR's website. And then you could go to a thing called like the Hidden Wiki, and the Hidden Wiki will show you all different categories of these websites with a link to them. And, uh, and there's marketplaces, there's horrible things on there, like you said, for kids. And, uh, and even like murder for hire, there's, there's counterfeit money, there's fake IDs, you know, there are all, all kinds of different websites that do horrible things. What is the Onion Router? So the Onion Router is a, um, is a tool, an open source uh, project that was created to uh, anonymize your traffic on the internet. And it decentralizes, I think, I believe decentralized would be the word for it, uh, your internet traffic. It keeps you anonymous beyond a VPN. I would still recommend that you use a virtual private network on top of Tor if you want to be anonymous. But uh, it's just a layer of security that's free. And it keeps, it, it's, like for example, let's say you use uh, Comcast for your internet service provider. Um, they could see that you're using Tor uh, but they can't see what you're looking at. Um, if you use a VPN and then you use Tor, they can they they can only tell you're using a VPN, but they can't tell you're using Tor. So it's you know it, it's a just an internet within an internet. So can I get on? Can I check my email through the dark web? Yes, would you, you go to any website? Would you recommend using the dark web to just do regular? It's slow as hell. Internet you know, stuff. It's it very is. slow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, you could, but and it would it would keep you safer, but it's it's not gonna it's not a foolproof way to keep yourself safe, and it's painstakingly slow. Okay. Do you use the dark web? Uh, for investigations, yeah. What kind of investigations? Um, for like the predator, pre predator and pedophile cases, yeah. So, are you able to track these guys down from the dark web, even though they're technically anonymous? Um, a lot of times it doesn't need to go that far. Uh, a lot of times these guys will use their regular emails or they'll use an IP address that's been, 
you know, they'll reuse for multiple emails uh, or their face that they're using as their profile picture. I, I can, you know, find them from the same way I just found your face or they're using a, a phone number that traces right back to them. Uh, the dark web, you know, it's it's not really a huge part of uh, catching predators and, and pedophiles. Um, uh, one, one thing, I, I guess the only thing on the dark web, quote unquote, I hate that word, but the dark web, quote unquote, that... I had access to was when I originally hacked the website that we're going to talk about, they branched out to have not only a website on the clear net on the regular internet, but their website was mirrored on the dark web. And I had three back doors in their system and, uh, and it branched out over to the dark web. So I had a back door on the dark web too, which was kind of a cool thing to have. So I needed to be connected to Tor, the onion router, to connect to my back door. But that was, uh, I was only using that back door to exfiltrate data every single day, which was just user information. Uh, Cause I didn't want to get their posts or anything. I didn't want to be in possession of anything horrible that they mm -hmm. were sending each other. But I, their user info was enough for us as I'm sure you'll learn shortly. Yeah. What are some things that people can do to protect themselves from, from hackers? What, let's actually, let me rephrase this quote. Let me back up. What are some vulnerabilities? Just let's go through all the things that you personally could hack if you wanted to. Um, I mean, there's, it's countless, but I could give you some major daily things. Uh, Absolutely. You, let's talk about some of the devices, those devices you have right here. Let's talk about all the stuff you can hack into. And, sure. And then, and then we'll get into maybe how we can prevent that a little bit. So I guess we'll just start with a daily routine. You know, you wake up in the morning, you, uh, you make your coffee or maybe you take your phone off the charger and you, um, you, you check your phone in the morning. You might, you might check your email. You might have, you got to make sure you, every email that you have while you're half asleep is coming from a real person. It's not a phishing email, someone pretending to be a company that they're not stealing your credentials. Then you go outside to your garage, you get in your car and you have to make sure that there's nobody out there listening for your, you know, your car key frequency while jamming your car so that they could steal your car later or access your car later. And then when you go hit your garage door button that somebody doesn't capture that frequency on 433 megahertz and, uh, and, you know, and th those rolling codes have already been broken for most of the models. Um, so then you get in your car and you're driving to, uh, to, to your office or to, to your kid's school do, doing whatever you want. And, um, you know, you could get out, you let your, your kid out to school, and now somebody, uh, as you walk into school, just skimmed your back pocket and stole your credit card information. So, I mean, uh, all of that, plus, you know, any, anything remote, infrared, like a TV remote that goes for projectors, uh, audio devices, ceiling fans, I mean, very simple stuff, uh, along with access control badges, uh, anything sub gigahertz, like, like key fobs or remote controls for anything, um, parking gates, so much. Everything. Everything. I mean, everything, anything with a battery and a connection, a remote connection, in any type of way where it reaches the outside of that device is hackable or has been hacked. What are these devices here? This is a water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this right here is a... Uh, this is a Flipper Zero with some uh, custom modifications. And uh, 
it does a lot. So this is just a proof of concept device, but when you start to add your own little additions onto it like this, um, let me uh, let me enable, for example, Wi-Fi. I'm not gonna hack your Wi-Fi, but I'll give you a little example of what I could do. I'll Thank just do you. something stupid, but. Okay, and then we'll do, I'm not gonna shut your network down. Okay, so now if you, if I can show you on my phone or you could look at your phone, but you'll see that instead of me mirroring your network, I just created a bunch of fake networks. So all of these networks here, they probably appear to be Legitimate, right? Yeah. But they're not. These are all fake networks? They're all powered by me. So as soon as you connect to any of those, I have your password, I have anything in between. So that's that's one thing, that's just Wi-Fi. And you just, oh man. So this is, so this is, is this how people are stealing information? This is one in, of many ways. In, in, in airport. In an airport? Oh yeah, I mean, airport, Starbucks, um, when you, uh, it's called a man in the middle attack. So if I'm on the same network as you, I can essentially c control the traffic, uh, you know, as if I was the modem or router. So instead of when you type google.com, instead of your computer telling the router you want google.com, you're telling my computer you want google.com and I'm giving you what, I, what, what I'm telling you google.com is. So. It would be called a DNS a DNS attack. So, is this what people are using in the airports when there's I not mean, this I've, specific I've device? This is just something that I concocted together. But the the flipper you can buy, this thing on the top here is is uh, custom. I guess what I'm asking is this the method they throw? So could you can so let's what is um what like Wi-Fi flight or uh, go go. Go go in flight. Yes, go oh, go. They're, they're actually. I mean, you can obviously you can hack anything, but go go in flight. They they have a pretty good segment on their network, so you're pretty safe with go go. Uh, you there's a chance of getting hacked, but not the same as like a Starbucks or a or here. Like you know, your network has to be segmented into chunks. Okay. And uh, go go segments it pretty well. Okay, I guess what I'm saying is, could you create a fake Wi-Fi network with that thing that says? Go go, in flight one. Yeah, I people could, are I like, do that oh, now. that must be it. I could do that here. I mean, it's it, I can make any any. They're called S B S S I D S S S I D S. The name of a network. You could do that with any name, but instead of that, what you do is you just scan lo the local area, and then you know I know all the networks' names around here, and then I'll target all of them at the same time, so that that way anyone in this complex or where we're at. Um, you know, anyone that connects to a network is going to, you know, think it's their network and they're going to connect to me instead. Holy shit. That's just one of many Wi-Fi attacks. So there's many ways. Yeah. Wi -Fi. What else just, can this thing do? Um, this thing's like the size of the palm of your hand. Yeah. Well, with this, with this little, you know, custom extension, especially when I have my big, these aren't the big antennas, but I got big antennas because, you know, I want to get long range, but, uh, you know, that's Wi-Fi. This, this side of things is also Wi-Fi, but uh, also it, it, it's an NRF uh, 24. So it does wireless mice and keyboards. 
So if you use a wireless mouse and keyboard, not every single one of them is vulnerable, but a lot, but a lot of them are. I'd highly recommend you go back to wired, even though it sounds old school, that's what you should do. Because I could control your mouse and keyboard with this device and send keystrokes way faster than you can type them and uh, take over your computer without even having to see you or it. So I could do that through the wall. Um, this is scaring the shit out of me. <laughs> um, and then I, uh, you know, I, the sub gigahertz stuff with bigger antennas, of course I can go further away. So with car, car keys, garages, gates, anything that's radio frequency, I could do with this. Um, RFID, uh, that's access control badges for doors and, and pool keys, you know, anything that has like a little beeper where you beep into the, the door. Yeah. And NFC is credit cards and access control. And it does also uh, some more things too. You could also like, I could tap your phone and give you my Instagram or tap your phone and give you my business card. So NFC is a little more uh, versatile than RFID, but they both essentially are, uh, I believe it's called passive uh, devices. They're, they're powered by the, uh, the receiver. They don't have a battery in them. So what? let's just run through just a list of all the things you can hack with that one little device. I mean, I don't want to make it into an ad about Flipper because it's not Flipper itself. It, like, I'll tell you, but I'm just saying that Flipper itself, if you're going to go online and buy one of these and expect to be able to do everything that I'm talking about, you need to have custom firmware or software, whatever you want to call it, um, that allows you to do that. And you need to know how to modify it. So don't go out spending $180 on this device thinking you're going to hack somebody's car or steal their credit card because that's not going to happen. Um, but if, I, if you want to go down the list, I mean, there's a ton of things. There's like, you know, all the, all the radio things I just told you about, um, the RFID stuff, the NFC, which is the credit cards and, and more, infrared, which is TVs, projectors, and many other devices, GPIO, which is just anything that connects to the outside of this device so I can make devices work and this be the controller for it, uh, iButton, which is a form of authentication that uses... Um, these things, these little metal prongs as a key. Uh, bad USB, which emulates a keyboard, types like, you know, a couple thousand words a second. Wow. Uh, or I'm sorry, a minute. I'm sorry, a thousand words, a couple thousand words a minute. Uh, and then it also has some use cases that aren't hacking, like uh, two-factor authentication. This is a, you know, offline device where you can generate your two-factor without needing a device that's connected to the internet. So it does that too. And then there's a ton of other sub applications that are on here, like hundreds of them that do little, little things. So a lot, just with this one device, this thing, you know, it, it does just radio, but it does a lot more than this thing. Really? Yeah. What does that one do? This one you can hack airplanes with. I mean, it, that, I mean, that's the, an extreme, but that's something that you can actually accomplish with this using ADSB. Um, you can choose to either receive or transmit. Um, so you can choose to either receive or transmit ADSB with this device, uh, and that's the frequency to tell a plane, you know, its call sign, position, and and more. And um, it's very illegal to do that, of course. But uh, if I wanted to go outside right now, I could even demonstrate later for you. They, you know, I pull this antenna out. This is just a small antenna, um, and we can receive airplanes, see where they're at. There's nothing illegal about receiving them. Um, Transmitting is where it gets a little bit funky, you know. Uh, but yeah, ADSB, this one does a lot. I 
something like a joke, for example, touch tunes at a bar. There's little jukebox machine jukebox machines that you pay for. Yeah. This device uh, brute forces them, meaning goes through zero 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 to nine 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 nine, looking for a pin code. And once it gets it, I can fully control that jukebox, like like I have, like I'm the owner of it. So you know, just just for fun. Or Subaru cars. Some some years of Subaru, I have this pre-programmed that can unlock and unlock unlock and lock a Subaru, no problem. Um, I could do that with this as well. But this thing way stronger, bigger range, way more support, way more programs out there. This device is a lot more dangerous in my eyes than that device. Really? Yep. Man, you are a, I think I've, this is the fifth time I've said it, I think, you are a dangerous man. <laughs> but <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm safe, safe, you know, I'm yeah. ethical. <laughs> you could be if but you wanted to be. I'm trying to go into detail about these things just for the, just for the nerds out there like me that are listening. I'm not going into exhaustive detail about these devices because most people are not going to care. So I'm just giving the general overview. <laughs> oh, I think I think they're going to care when they realize how vulnerable they are. No, I don't mean they don't care about what's, what yeah. they can do, but they care about the technical specifics. Yeah. You know? we, we get a lot of our, we, pretty much everything that we have is from China. Okay. You know, all yeah. of our electronics, everything, it all... What, what do you say, 90% of it probably comes from China. Do you think we need to worry about what they're putting in our electronics? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I'll give you one example. I, I bought this awesome vacuum and mop that's in one, it's an all-in-one vacuum mop called Tinico, and uh, it completely connects to a Chinese server to uh, to transmit and receive information. Like, I made it. I made a joke out of it. I actually have a video of it where you could turn the audio on for it. Like when you plug it in, it says charging started, charging stopped. Like when you put it on and off, I can control that with my computer through a Chinese cloud server. There's no reason that that vacuum and mop should connect to a Chinese cloud uh, cloud infrastructure whatsoever, but uh, it does. And at any point they could change the way that functionality works and take over my home network with this vacuum mop. So, Are you serious with a vacuum mop? Yep. Yeah. How many devices do you think has have these things in them? Anything with a Wi-Fi connection, it's you know not not ever not everything's going to be China beaconing back and forth, but anything with a Wi-Fi, you know, with, anything with Wi-Fi capability is going to open up, you know, an attack vector. Washing machines, refrigerators, just what, oh yeah. Why does a vacuum mop? Have I don't know. Wi-Fi I, capability. I'd love to tell you, but it's uh, I have I have the video I could show you. I could find it sometime, but it's uh, I have that, and then I have the app. I could show you. I could adjust the volume. I could check when the last time I used it. Does it need to be cleaned? Does it? You know, it tells you all that stuff, but it's using a Chinese server that I can control from my computer now that I've captured the traffic between the mop and the server. How many devices do you think we have that are connected to a Chinese server? And what would they be getting out of it? I mean, it's all about data nowadays. So, I mean, I think that data is the most important thing to them because it's worth money. And uh, advertising dollars are, are, would be spent better for, you know, with, with targeted demographics. So I think that they're using that information to target you on the stuff that, they, that you need. You know, if you or someone that you love is looking up something, obviously Google's going to figure out 
how to target you on that on that thing and then sell that data to other people and they go, they call it retargeting whereas if they have access to your direct network and they can see you know things that you didn't even fully like search out or you're typing on a different application like a chat application where you're not even searching about it, you're just talking about it that data is very valuable because they know about something before Google does or somebody some other large data broker interesting what are what are five simple things that people can do to protect themselves from from hackers? Use a password manager. Um, install an antivirus, or consult with an, an IT company that has cybersecurity expertise, or a cybersecurity company. Uh, one of one of those many options, but talk to somebody unless you're an expert yourself. Uh, use an RFID blocking wallet. Uh, and potentially, if you want to be extra safe, use a key fob that has an RFID shield on it. Uh, that way your key fob doesn't work outside of that shield, can't be cloned. Some cars require, you know, tap to start. So, you know, use something like that. Uh, be careful with the websites that you're visiting. If the browser's telling you the site looks unsafe, then it's probably unsafe. And if, it, uh, you know, if you're told otherwise, make sure who you, who's telling you otherwise is legitimate. And, you know, just be careful. I mean, just use your common sense. If something looks too good to be true, it probably is. Okay, what about we're in a, we live in a day and age where you're getting spam calls every five minutes, you're getting spam texts every five minutes, and a new marketing email's coming in every two minutes. It's, it, I mean, it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. do, we need, do we need to worry about that stuff? If I open a text, could I be hacked just from opening the text? Technically, yes. I mean, like I said earlier, the zero-click attacks that they're willing to pay a ton of money for, there's government agencies that already have them, you know? It, there was one going around for uh, quite a long time. Uh, there was one going around for quite a long time called Pegasus, uh, and then there was another one called Pegasus 2.0, and it didn't require any user interaction from you know, from anyone, you, you would just send to a phone number, they'd have full remote access to your phone. Even without opening the text? Without opening anything. Holy shit. How do you defend against something like that? Yeah. You can't. There is no, there's no way to defend. Your, that's why they're so valuable, because there's nothing you can do. How do most hackers get in? Do you have to click a link? Yeah, yeah, I mean, the... Sometimes it's a link, sometimes it's a file, sometimes it's a photo, sometimes it's a chain of exploits of multiple things that turn into it. It could be a Word document, it could be anything. Um, when it comes to zero days and zero click exploits, it's, uh, it doesn't require any user interaction and you will not know that your phone's infected. Damn. Yeah, so I can't even give you a good answer for it. <laughs> This is scary stuff, man. You know, I could, I could, I might as well have it on my phone right now. I have no clue. I mean, I'd likely see the traffic going in and out of it, but uh, there is still the chance that it could have it. All right. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll get into what you're doing now. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people 
for real conversations. Now that my business is expanding, being fluent in multiple languages more important than ever. Babbel's courses are convenient and work with my busy schedule. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com SRS. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com SRS. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash S-R-S. Rules and restrictions may apply. Visit Babbel.com for terms and details. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. And at times, we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. Keeping everything bottled up can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place... To get things off your chest, therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for everyone. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Sean today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Sean. All right, Ryan, we're back from the break. We just got a whole class on hacking and all the stuff that you're capable of and all the things we need to be worried about. But let's talk about why you came here, and that's what you're doing now. You're basically hunting down these people that are exploiting children sexually on the Internet and in person. Yeah. I know you have a couple of horrific stories. One guy that was, I think it was his daughter in the bathtub. Yeah, yeah, so uh, I'll start, you know, kind of where that all uh, came from. Um, I was at a friend's a friend's house, and I got a text message from my friend's wife, and it uh, it was multiple photos of screenshots of this website that was uh, it was clear from the screenshots that the website was on the regular internet; anyone could access it. And um, should I name the, the website? Yeah, it was. Uh, it's no longer up, but it was dot co. So. Uh, .co, then that website went down, and it ended up being .to, like T as in Thomas, O as in Oscar. So I see this website, and I see the content uh, in these screenshots that my friend's wife sent me. She doesn't know anything about computers, but she has kids herself, and she was like, can you do something about this? And I read this content, and uh, one of them was, was, uh, was talking about a mother that wanted to have, have kids, and then have the kids be uh, so that that when the kids grew up that they could you know have and and go even further. I mean I, I'll pull up the screenshots because I'd like to explain like where my head was at that time. But as soon as I read these messages, I uh, I like I, I guess a, a switch flipped in my brain, and I left my friend's house immediately as I got the text, and I was I went home. I didn't know for sure that I was going to be able to get into this website. I just knew I wanted to do something about it. And uh, I found a vulnerability in their platform. I got in. Uh, and from that point on, I started to uh, to exfiltrate the data every single day. All of the users, um, 
I noticed that the, that a lot of people were soliciting on the site. So I, uh, I didn't want to download those messages in case of the fact that I pull in some images that I'm not allowed to have, and nor do I want. Uh, so I made sure to only download the publicly facing stuff, which didn't include it, it had some very graphic text, but it didn't include anything illegal, which I think it should be illegal to talk that way. But it was it, it was horrible stuff. What, what, what were some of the so you started this basically from a text conversation with a concerned mom. That's yeah. what got you into it. Yeah. What's some of the text that you saw? I'd like to read them to you if you want. I still have them. Read them. So this is before I was before I ever caught a single predator in my life. This was this was the beginning and what set my set my brain off um, to uh, to want to help. But this is before I even heard of this website. Before I heard of anything and anything to do with it. Um, okay, here they are. Um, so the title, uh, should I read these? Like they're graphic. Yeah, read them. So the title of this post is, who wants to bang these little um, And then somebody replied underneath, I've got first dibs on the uh, Joseph Fritzl, Maximilian, uh, which is, there's two different users there. Pick for yourselves. Um, and this was the photo that they used. Oh my God. That's just one of three. Three texts. These messages. girls look like they're six. Very young, yeah. And then there was that one story where I told you about the, I can't see it, but the, the story I told you about the bathtub situation where there was a father who posted their child in the bathtub and uh, they, it said underneath of it, um, they have no idea what's going to happen to them tonight. And then underneath of that, there were people that were part of this website who were saying what they were going to do to this child. And this wasn't just some fantasy that this guy was talking about. This was a, you know, a guy posting his child in the bathtub, like for real. Like it really was his child. Um, I assume he was a man, but it, it was a parent. Um, you know, so that really got to me. And then uh, I got another part of this text message. I'll just read one more of the three. And this one says that they are a 16-year-old A lot of these people were role-playing to be children. And in our investigations, we found out there was a lot of actual kids on this website, real kids, that were under 18 at the time of uh, this, this, when I hacked the site. What are they doing on there? They're selling their bodies for money. To these, kids? To these people, yeah. It's kids. kids prostituting themselves. Yes. Yeah. So one of them, I don't know if this is a real 16-year-old or not, but what was said was pretty disturbing regardless. Uh, it said, God, I really want to be a mom. I need someone who wants to 16-year-old. When I have our daughter, I'd let you do whatever you wanted from whatever age. Make me watch as you teaching her how to lovingly don't worry if it's a boy. You can watch teaching him how to properly woman. Teaching him how to slap and hurt me to He'd be so cute trying to so little. Oh my God. So when I got these text messages and 
reading them even current day right now, um, it, it makes me sick to my stomach to even think about. And, uh, and I know they're gone. So, you know, I mean, not all these people are still out there, but the, the website's down. Um, how many, how many people are on this website? At first I thought it was a couple thousand when I, uh, cleaned up the database and, and figured it out. There, there's about 7,000 people in just this one website. And, uh, we have a total of five. You have 7,000 people on one website. You've Mm-hmm. And you couldn't, you couldn't become a member of this website unless you answered uh, an application where you, you, you had to answer a question that was something like, are you okay with, uh, you know, doing something horrible with a three-year-old and in all of their holes? You had to answer that question in detail. I forget the exact verbiage of the question. It's, it's, uh, it's posted somewhere um, in, in regards to this interview or, or Project Veritas, one or the other. Uh, but you had to fill that out to become a member of the website you just saw. And which would tell me that either you're an undercover cop or you're an actual predator on the site. I mean, who would answer a question like that, even if they were just curious? Is there multiple? So it's a whole questionnaire you have to do to get yeah. into the site. There was a few questions, I think two or three. They were really horrible, but you had to answer them or, or they were not would not approve you to join the site. Is there any other prerequisites to get on sites like these? Um, yes. So, so what I learned in this process, doing the investigation and exporting, you know, everything that I could legally export, uh, I found that they used a chat app called Telegram. And they were going back and forth talking about, uh, about, you know, and they would call it cheese pizza and use all times all kinds of different phrases for it. And I realized there was these moderators in the chat rooms outside of the website. Um, where if you would send them, they would let you into another group, which was full of, but of course I couldn't do that. So I never got to see past that part. Uh, but I do have evidence of that being a thing when I have, cause I exported all the chat logs. So I can, sh it shows that if I were to send something horrible to one of those moderators, I would have seen something even worse, which is hard to imagine than, you know, we are already seeing here. What did you What did you do with that information? It helped, actually, let me backtrack. I'm sorry. How How long did it take you to crack into that website and get this information? Um, I, I wasn't sure. Like I said, when I got the text messages, and I wanted to try to take my goal was to just take the site down, and I knew I could make that happen because it was on the, the clear net, uh, regular internet for anyone to visit. I knew I could do that, but I didn't know if I could actually get access to their server. Um, once I found the vulnerability, uh, maybe an hour, two hours at the most, if I could remember correctly, it wasn't long. And they never found out they were hacked. So to this day, um, they, they never found out. They, and they will never find out. I mean, unless, unless somebody in that database is watching this, uh, now you know. You're in, you're, <laughs> I have your data, and uh, we will find you. So I, I actually recommend you come forward so we don't have to make the story up for you. What did you do with this information? So as soon as I got the information, I, w I thought it was a slam dunk. I thought like these people were going to jail. You know, I thought that maybe I, I solved something that, uh, that the FBI or somebody was you know, working on for a long time. And uh, I instantly went to the exploited children uh, tip line and I... Uh, 
I submitted, you know, saying who the owner of the website was, that I had access to all the data, and uh, and that they were welcome to have it, basically. Um, then I reached out to a bunch of news articles, or I'm sorry, news stations, and talked to a ton of reporters, and all of them were super excited to talk to me. What news stations? Um, Sun Sentinel, uh, Daily Mail, Business Insider, Fox, uh, some, some influencers, Ronan Farrow, Candace Owens, they both didn't read my messages. Um, but as for the news stations, uh, they, you know, I had full conversations with the reporters. They knew what they were getting themselves into. They were very excited about reporting on it. And once it got back from legal, they weren't allowed to report on it. And um, I said, well, okay, if you're not allowed to report on the illegally obtained material that I have, just let parents know that this website exists and who, you know, what, you know, whatever you want, but just keep whatever illegal out of it. You know, I just want them to parents to know that this website exists. You don't need to put my name. You don't need to put the material that I obtained. Nothing. Uh, every single one of them completely disregarded me. I, you know, I, I sent a lot of those notes over to Project Veritas with some evidence of that. But uh, not a single person until now has done anything about this. Not one, not any conservative media, not any liberal media, because unfortunately that's the day and age we live in now, right? right? Um, none of them, none of them would touch this. No. None of them want to be involved in saving kids. When I say I tried, I tried so hard and nobody wanted to do anything. So what wound up happening with the information? Mm. So law no, enforcement didn't want to get involved either. No. So I, I called my attorney uh, locally and then I called an attorney in Virginia because the owner of the website happened to be a Democratic politician and ran for Congress two times. Um, his name is uh, Nathan Larson. And I'll explain more about him in a second. But I talked to a lawyer in Virginia because I knew that's where he lived and I wanted to see what I could do from there. So the lawyer in Virginia basically told me she didn't know what to say. She, she never heard of anything like this. Um, the lawyer in Florida reached out to the task, the local task force, let them know that I had access to the information. Um, and then as well as, you know, doing that tip line. So from that point on, uh, you know, all of these news stations and all the law enforcement connections, whatever you want to call them, they all were fully aware that Nathan Larson was running this website, that he was, you know, he ran for Congress twice, that, uh, that he was an extremist, he did crazy things, um, but hey, he, he did run for Congress two different times in Virginia. So I thought that they would take that seriously. Well, completely ignored. Completely ignored it. Project Veritas gave me access to some of the stuff you guys are working on together. Yeah. And in one of those videos, you're reading a quote from Nathan Larson. I'm going to read it right now. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> this is from Nathan Larson, Democratic politician, the ran for VA uh, Congress multiple times, ran a website for pedos to discuss their dark intentions and fantasies. Here's the quote. It's not enough kids and take their innocence, you also need to reproduce the next generation with them. Let them see that you prefer to the offspring you have with them than to continue to have with a woman who is no longer jailbait. The quote continues, but you can still sometimes just let her know though that 
what you love her for the most is producing with you is producing with you a fresh new young girl and that this is her main value and contribution hat you think fondly of her this is disgusting yeah. i'm sorry you think fondly of her for because that beautiful daughter reminds you of her When I first started this whole podcasting thing, an online store was about as far from my mind as you can get. And now, most of you already know this, but I'm selling Vigilance Elite gummy bears online. We actually have an entire merch collection that's coming soon. And let me tell you, it is so easy because I'm using a platform that is extremely user-friendly, and that's Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I really like about Shopify is it prompts you all the things that you want to do with your web store, like connect your social media accounts, write blog posts, just have a blog in general. Shopify actually prompts you to do this. You want people to leave reviews under your items? You can do that on Shopify. It's very simple. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to the other leading commerce platforms. Shopify is a global force for millions of entrepreneurs in over 175 countries and power 10% of all e-commerce platforms here in the United States. You can sign up right now for $1 a month, it's shopify.com slash Sean. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Sean now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash Sean. It's unimaginable. It's like, how do, how do people think this way? Like, there's so many people that think this way that it's alarming is the, is the word for it. I don't know how, how else to put it. It's way more people than you'd think, than you'd like to believe. Code words, pizza and cooking and cheese pizza mm -hmm. stands for Yep. This is disgusting. Yeah, it gets only worse than that. You know, it's, it's really bad. How much worse does it get? Worse. I mean, people, it, it, this, this is a person talking about it, and it makes me uncomfortable just as much, much as it makes you uncomfortable. But, uh, you know, these people, what they're talking about, they're, they're doing. You know, this guy isn't some guy with a bunch of fantasies. This guy got arrested six months after. Nobody did anything about it. And, uh, you know, like I said, I try my best. He gets arrested six months later with a 12-year-old uh, at a layover at an airport after he and kidnapped her. So not only did he uh, talk about it, he did it and he, he got caught. You know, as for some other people, uh, I don't know how much more I can go into it, but one guy we're investigating um, as of 2020, which is after I submitted the data, he got in trouble for doing something horrible to a child as well, became a fugitive, and I think they eventually got him. But, you know, we're, we're not even close to through the list yet. And, uh, you know, we got a lot more people to expose and they're not just talking about it, they're doing it. Let's backtrack real quick, because you kind of breezed over what happened. Um, so, the guy 
With the pit, with the daughter in the bathtub. Yeah. What happened? That guy with the daughter in the bathtub, I, I don't know where he went. He's we, part of the database. I'm talking about the guy that got arrested in Denver. Oh, that's that's uh, Nathan Larson. Okay. So Nathan Larson, he got arrested six months after the fact, um, after I hacked his site, after I submitted it to the authorities, to all the news stations. He gets arrested with a 12-year-old girl and gets arrested for kidnapping, and I don't think he got charged with rape, but he got the kidnapping charge. Um Nathan Larson then went to federal prison for that. And, um, you know, the website went down. And, uh, you know, he just, he, he sat in prison for, I forget, forget what the sentence was, but it was quite a long time. And to my knowledge, when you're, when you're a person like him, you are going to be put, you're going to be separated in a federal prison from the regular inmates. And, you know, spoiler alert, but Nathan Larson's dead. And uh, the reason why he's dead is due to starvation. The news says that it's suicide. Um, if I had to guess, the inmates that were, you know, responsible for feeding him just let him, you know, starve to death. And I, I believe he deserved every second of that pain. You and me both. So there's been there's been five. I'm sorry. There's been five other sites that you've cracked into. So when when I hacked uh, Rapey. It, uh, Nathan left backups of his previous websites on the same server. So it really only took one site to get all five. How many names altogether? Um, I'm not, I can't give you an exact number. I'm not sure, but it's tens of thousands. Tens of thousands of yeah. people. Are, there, are these people all in, where, where, do you know where they're all at? Um, are they from all, all over the country? All over the country. All over the all, uh, some, are, some are international, but most of them, you know, are in the country. So when did 561 PC start? Mm. So 561 PC is an organization that um, I created with a friend, uh, Scrappy. He's an MMA fighter. Um, it started because of the frustration that nothing happened from this original, uh, this, this whole or ordeal. You know, I'm, this, I'm, we're talking two and a half years after the fact. I've been you know, looking into information on predators for organizations on YouTube um, anonymously with my name not attached whatsoever, just finding information and uh, sending it over to the organizations. Um, and then they would go and confront them themselves. And uh, I did that for many organizations, like I said, completely anonymously. I wasn't looking for recognition or my name to be attached to anything. Um, I meet Scrappy, Dustin Lampros, whatever you want to call him. He, uh, he, he's a really good dude. And he Hold on, had, Scrappy's a professional MMA fighter in the UFC, correct? He, well, he did not. He didn't. He didn't get his call for the UFC yet, but uh, he's you know eight and zero undefeated, seven knockouts. He's he's likely going to get the call. He's on the way. Yeah, yeah, and um, even Dana White knows who he is, I believe. Um, it's uh, it's it's you know he's a he's a good dude outside of fighting. He's a very nice guy, gentle heart, you know, religious guy, you know, great, great person in my eyes. So he was a good partner to pick for this upcoming project. And I brought up, I was like, hey, man, um, you know, do you know how bad it is on the Internet? Like I told him the story that I just told you. He was blown away by the fact that nothing happened. And I told him, I said, like, you know, let me show you. Let me show you how bad it is, not just tell you. So I was like, Google search uh, teen chat room, Florida. Or, you know, it was something of that, something similar to that. So he Googled it. I told him, click any chat room. I don't care which one it is. He clicks the chat room. 
He clicked guest, he clicked guest, you know, he didn't have to make an account, made his name, Ashley, 13, female, Florida, something like that. And just said hi in the chat room. And within five minutes, he must have got 40, 50, 60 messages from grown men, some naked, some trying to video chat, some saying that, you know, they want to meet up, you know, very horrible things, like grown men hanging out in these teen chat rooms. Um, from that point on, he realized how serious this actually was. And uh, I was like, hey, well, you know that it's not just these chat rooms. It's most of the time it's social media apps like so like Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Tinder, um, oh, you know, all of them. It's anywhere a kid has access to Roblox, Minecraft, their Xbox when they're talking to their friends. Um, these predators are on everything. So I said to him, hey, if we get some decoys in there and they, they you know, grown women or grown men, they pretend to be children. We can go and try to catch these people uh, and expose them in real life, just the same way I've been helping organizations for two and a half years do it, except instead of me sending it to them, we'll do it ourselves. We'll, we'll clean up our, you know, at least try our best to clean up our, our, home, our town in South Florida. And he was like, yeah, man, I'm definitely down to do it. And of course, you know, at first you think when somebody says they're down to do something like that, it's a hit or miss. But he was like he was on point, ready to go. And, uh, you know, we've caught... 14 people now in a couple months of, of doing it. And, you know, local law enforcement, Delray Beach Police have been incredible. And we're just going to continue to grow. You know, it's, if anybody's interested in checking that out, it's at 561PC, like 561 Predator Catchers on Instagram, same as for YouTube. And uh, yeah, you'll, you'll find me there and you'll also find uh, Scrappy there. Let's rewind. What what is what was your first operation like? Uh, my first what? Your first operation. What's the f the first guy uh, you guys caught together as a team? How did that go down? So the first guy we caught as a team was just a complete test. <clears throat> uh, Scrappy and I used an app called Grinder, which is a gay dating app for the most part. Not not only gay, but mostly gay. And um, we both used a filter to make ourselves look younger. And uh, we just started talking to any guy that messaged us. We didn't message anybody first. We waited for people to message us. And uh, one guy eventually, within an hour, decided to talk to us. And we went out, met him, called the cops. And uh, guy, the guy ran to the bathroom. We couldn't film in the bathroom. Where'd you meet him? Uh, right on Atlantic Ave in, in Delray, in front of a million people. And, and uh, you know, I embarrassed. I screamed at the top of my lungs at what he was there to do. And... Uh, you know, I, I don't do that anymore because you can get a disorderly conduct for that. I didn't know that at the time, but uh, that was my first encounter. Guy just ran to the bathroom, though, and hid until the cops got there. And at that time, the cops had no clue what was going on, so they just let him go. Have you gotten anybody arrested? Yeah, multiple people. How many? Uh, three so far. Let's go over the first one that you got arrested. What did that operation look like? Um, that one is actually... Uh, no, actually, uh, I think, do you mind if I go over the guy that I know uh, the full story of right now? Because some of, of them course. are active. Mm. So, one guy, we have a YouTube video, and uh, we, we made him, you know, do pull up, or I'm sorry, uh, we made him do push ups and sit ups, you know, to distract them while the cops were on their way. And, uh, he said that the, you know that the girl had breeding hips, and I believe he said something about uh, wanting to take a shower with her or something like that. Um, and 
how Florida works is they have the police station and then they have the state attorney. Some states have district attorneys, some states have state attorneys. I think they're the same thing, but they're just named differently. But the state attorney is the one that ultimately makes a decision on the if the person is going to be convicted or charged with the, with these charges. But the cops make the decision on what they're being charged with. So we meet the guy. He admits to everything you know, that he said in the chat logs. He admits to maybe even a little bit more. Then he admits it again to the police officers. He goes in the interrogation room. I send the chat logs and the video to them while they're in- interrogating. Um, he admits everything to them because it's not evidence until the predator says it. Like our evidence isn't isn't valuable because we're vigilantes. So, you know, it's not technically evidence unless the police obtain it. So uh, all of that went well. The cops spent, uh, Delray police spent a ton of time building the report out for this guy. State attorney, you know, was kind of iffy about it, it seemed. And the entirety of the case was thrown out because... Uh, there was no shower inside of Walmart. So there's no way he could have showered. You've got to be shitting me. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a little bit rough. We had a meeting with... Do you know with, who's, who's responsible for that case getting dropped? Um, I don't. I know it's the state attorney for whoever, Palm Beach County, for Palm Beach County, but yeah, it's I don't know the exact name. Is that an elected slot? I believe so. Uh, we that, should look that name up and post it right here. It's wild to me. But but the one thing that I can say is that this, one of the sergeants who used to be a detective did have a meeting with us right after that and told us what the state attorney would be looking for to secure a conviction. So we are trying to fall within those guidelines now. Like we call the cops regardless every time, but we're not sure if we're going to get an arrest or not unless it falls within the guidelines that we're told. Ryan, do you think you could demonstrate right here, right now, how fast these sexual predators predators will show up in a chat room? Yeah. Fire your computer up. Let's do it. There's one guy here who is 47 years old, less than a minute, who wants to talk to a child in a teen chat. And I only said hi in the chat room, nothing else. Holy shit, dude. You, you jumped in a chat room. You called yourself Ashley 13, New Jersey. Mm. L- literally less than 10 seconds. We have a 47-year-old, one to wanting to have sex with a with a 13 year old girl yeah yeah that's how quick it is like I, I googled teen chat uh i'm in a different state so i get different results here for you know the local teen chats there was there's no way for me to set it up you know all i did was say hi in the chat room and press enter there uh, and you know a bunch of messages came in some were from actual teenagers as it should be in a teen chat and uh, one of the guys, which, you know, who knows if they really are teenagers. That's another thing. But one guy was open about that he was 47 years old and he was completely fine with the age. Where where all is this happening? Is this happening? Just list off where this is happening that's, that, that everyday people use all the time. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, Kick, WhatsApp. Uh, Roblox, Minecraft, Xbox, PlayStation. Xbox uh, and PlayStation? Yeah, because you can chat with random people in games. Um, they could represent themselves as whoever they want. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it, the list goes on. Uh, anywhere where a human can communicate with another human, the child is not safe. So parents need to be watching that. Uh, and not just assuming, like, you know, if, if, if your kid says, hey, I'm on the phone with my friend, 
which friend is it? You know, is it is it one that I know? Um, like you can't be scared of being a helicopter parent because if your kids aggravated at you for a couple of minutes for you know being overprotective in these scenarios, I think it's worth. It's not your fault regardless of what happens, but to save them from a life of trauma, I think it might be worth the extra couple minutes or aggravating your kid to you know, see who they're actually talking to, see which who their friends really are, and uh, just spend that extra time because it could it could save a lifelong battle with trauma. This happened to somebody I know in in Parkland. You know, mm -hmm. I remember I used to live in Boca, so I got a lot of friends down there. Mm -hmm. Happened in Parkland. He's got a daughter, couple daughters, and she was she she was blackmailed by somebody and had taken pictures. And it's 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 everywhere. Just as you just demonstrated it. I mean, ten ten seconds, less than ten seconds, and he and he's on there. Yeah. Is this is this the case every single time? Uh, yeah, yeah. Some of the guys want to chat for longer before they meet up in person. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's that easy. It's, it's not good that it's easy, but it is that easy to, to find them. They're out there and they are, they're, they're being predatory. Like, you know, like the name states. How, I don't, I, I don't know what to call it. I don't want to call it a success rate, but what is the percentage of people that you're talking to on here that will come and meet? Um, depends on how long you talk to them and if you can convince them that you're not a police officer. Would you uh, say the majority of them? Way more than the majority, yeah. 90%? Yeah. Over 90%? Yeah. Um, it depends if they ask to meet or not yet, because sometimes it takes a while for them to chat. So I would say, yeah, like if they if they ask to meet, 95% per, plus, if they ask to meet up. 95%, you think? Yeah. <sighs> Damn. How did how did Project Veritas get involved with it? Um, they saw the, a viral podcast of me talking about the website, and they were interested, and they said, well, I want to help you bring justice to this uh to to what the other stations failed to to bring justice to, and the FBI even failed to, or uh, all everybody everybody failed me. I, I felt like they failed me, and Project Veritas said, "Hey, well, we will do something about this. We'll put our whole team on it. We're going to we're gonna we're gonna bring light to this. We're gonna bring these people out of the dark corners of the earth," and uh, and it, it made me feel like, okay, I have. I have a team here, you know, I have people that were, are willing to, you know, fly across the country and meet me in a 24-hour notice, which they did, uh, to have a conversation. They, they flew me out to New York to, to do an interview, um, you know, just off my word. You know, I could have been lying. I could have been a member of this. Who knows what they, what, they, they didn't know who I was. So they just took my word for it, and they gave me the most compassion and love, that I, more, more compassion and love than I would have ever expected and still are to this day. What does this collaboration between you and them look like? How are they, are you, you're obviously feeding them all the information that you've uncovered so far. Are yeah. you still getting more information? Um, so no, so right now we're going off the data that I already have, which is so much, um, especially with Nathan Larson's websites. You know, the one we're focusing on at the moment is rapey.co and .to. 
so anyone that was on that list is going to be investigated. We have all of their information um, or ways to find it. So we're just going to go down that list to keep exposing them in, in person. Um, and uh, we found quite a few already. So it's, it's only going to get more extreme, especially as the team gets bigger. And uh, hopefully we do some justice, put some more in prison, uh, uncover some secrets. How are you getting, how are you guys, so they sent me, so this interview is timed perfectly. We, when Project Veritas starts to release this information, we're right behind them. We've talked to them. We're collaborating with them. Mm -hmm. We want to just dump gas and amplify what you guys are doing to get this word out. So what does this collaboration look like between you and them? You're feeding them the information and then how are they reaching out to these guys and, and how are they getting to them to come in and, and, and confess to this stuff? Um, they, so they have their own ways of dealing with undercover, uh, operations and, and like filming undercover. Uh, but when we find the information on the people, you know, we're going off the database, we're taking the information per user, we're tying that to what we, you know, we have some, some archived, uh, images of when the website did exist. So we could say, uh, this user said this at this time or replied to this at that time, figure out who that user is. Um, and then organize a team to go out there and meet them. But the process of finding out who they are is called o OSINT or Open Source Intelligence. And uh, Project Veritas has been doing that already for years, as well as me. It's, uh, I specialize in, in OSINT and, and obviously being a hacker, it just comes with the, comes with the territory. Um, so working together as a team, finding these people has been, you know, no different than what I would do on a daily basis, except it's just making a bigger impact. How many guys have you guys put in prison so far? Um, I don't think I can talk about that part yet. Okay. Yeah. We'll wait. Let's talk about the John Lewis confrontation. Yep. He was on rapey.to website with his email link to it. He, he says he found the website through a telegram group. Yeah. First, he admits to having a fetish to young children went to therapy for help with that addiction, has, gone, has been going for many years and has made a little progress with his addiction. <clears throat> addiction to porn, right? It's, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that interview at all? Have you seen that? Yeah, I watched the interview and uh, the guy is in a facility for his addiction to porn, but was completely cognizant and coherent or, you know, he's not, he wasn't like a mental health case to like where he couldn't, he didn't know right from wrong. He definitely was fully aware of what he was doing. Um, he, like I said, he's one of 7,000 on that list. Uh, but he did admit on an undercover camera that, um, that, you know, he was to child, he was soliciting and that he was a member of not only, but those telegram groups I mentioned earlier, that were, you know, trading and soliciting child He admitted all of that uh, clear as day on camera. So that will be forwarded, forwarded along to the police and uh, we'll see what happens from there. But that was very recent, his confrontation. The application question to join the group. We've already gone over this. If a man wants to his three-year-old daughter in every while she is do you have a problem with that? Please elaborate on your thought process so we can better judge your suitability for this site. John Lewis's response. I do have a problem with that. That's disgusting. 
<clears throat> then they expose the conversation, make a video in the school basement. Denied it, it was a lie, denied receiving passed. He only admits to having seen but did not distribute it. And then, <clears throat> and then confessed to have looked or seen images, never physically acting on those urges. And then later confessed. Right. And, and says that he never did any of that, uh, and if what he says that he did on the forum, he legitimately says that he kid in the basement across from the school, and just by chance, that's where he lives, across from a school, where his parents live. So, you know, he could, he could say he didn't or he did, but the fact that he admitted to like, I've been in some very, very tough spots in my life, but I've never thought about a child Man. ever. That's and I, I I doubt you have either. It's it's a if if I don't trust anything you say. Yeah. You know. So if you tell me on a forum that you kid in the basement, you probably in the basement. That's that's what I'm gonna safely assume. Do you know what happened to this guy? That, that's like I said, it's so, that one's so new that I'm not sure what's going to happen to him, but hopefully... He's he, still out there right now, though. Yeah. yeah How do we solve this shit, man? There's no way to solve it, for sure. Like, you know, it's never going to go away. And unfortunately, we have some states that are trying to normalize it. We have states that are trying to make it a sexual orientation. Um, and then we have other states what like... States? Uh, California being the main one that I know of. What are they doing? They're trying to make it a sexual orientation. I, I think it, they're calling it uh, uh, something attracted minors or something. Uh, minor they're making attracted. this a thing. They're making it okay. We yeah. need to accept. So now we need to accept people who are little kids. Yes. That's we what they're to, trying to do. We need to, to accept that now. Yeah, California is one state that they're trying to make it part of a sexuality to be attracted to children. It's a, it's a sexuality to be attracted to children. Do you yeah. know any of the other states that are doing this? I could Google it, but I mean, California is, uh, is the main one that I know of. Not surprising. Yeah, not surprising Not surprising either. at all. <laughs> yeah, so that's that blows my mind that that's even a thought. And then there's people that defend these guys. as It's a mental illness, it's a sickness, it's this, it's that. I don't care what it is, because it affects somebody else. You know, it's going to ruin somebody's life forever. Um, Why do you think these states are pushing this shit? I don't know. I don't know. But Florida, I'll give you a good example. I mean, DeSantis is trying to pass a bill to uh, to issue the death penalty for for uh, sex crimes against children. From what I understand, that's in place. Is that in place so now? Is, is it locked in? If it, I mean, it must have been recent. If so, but. I don't want to misspeak, but the way I understood it yeah. is that it is in there now and that if you're doing this shit mm -hmm. and you get caught, they're going to fucking kill you. I love that. Why, why is it? A that should be the case everywhere, in my opinion. Why are all the Democrat states trying to legalize this shit and make this normal? I don't fucking understand that. I don't know. I don't know how you can vote for that shit. I don't know how you can affiliate with that shit. I don't know how you can think it's okay. It's fucking disgusting. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. It's like, you know, they're normalizing kids. Yeah. And they're creating people and people are voting this shit in. Yeah. Fucking Newsom, Gavin Newsom got recalled and they voted him in again. And look at this shit. Now he's making this shit normal. I mean, I hate to get fucking political, but what the fuck is wrong with these people? I agree with you. Very. It's uh, I, I can't explain. I wish I could. I wish I could explain why we just got a message in 10 seconds in a random chat room from a 47-year-old man wanting to But uh, I can't. I, I have no explanation. And all I know is that we need to find a way for parents to be educated and for kids when they get old enough to be educated um, so that this doesn't happen to them. You know, that's, that's all I know that I could do. And uh, the only other thing I know I could do outside of educating parents, schools, uh, children, is uh, is you know help some some you know organizations out that human trafficking and you know victims of any type of sexual assault, whether they're children or adults. Like I, I have the resources and the team and the the skill set to be able to help people. I just need those people to be put in place, as well as let's say parents monitoring their child uh, on an app. You know, I have some ideas in my head for apps, but I don't want to plug a specific app if I don't know if it's great or if I can trust them. So, well, know, even if you don't plug, if you even if you don't plug an app, Ryan, what do these apps do? Like, so if I put this app on my son's phone, mm-hmm. what is what do I get? So you're gonna know where he's at at all times. You're gonna be able to read his text messages. You'll be able to check his app usage. You'll be able to, you know, lock down certain parts of the phone that you don't want him to to be on. Um, and, you know, just basically as if you have access to the phone, but you have more access than him. Uh, it's, it's really more, I think it's more important to do that and have your kid aggravated at you than, like I said, the, the latter. Yeah. I mean, I would a hundred percent agree with you. I mean, so you basically know the statistics these apps. With the, like the, the one in 10 people before the age of 18 are, are sexually assaulted and 40% are, are 12 years old or under. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, that's... 40%? 40% are under 12. So it, it's important to do this stuff, you know? So with these apps, so the way I'm understanding what you're saying is if I put one of these apps on anybody's phone, mm-hmm. I basically get control, just like you were talking about mm-hmm. earlier, people's computer. I can control everything they're doing, what they're yeah, looking like at. It's like a commercial remote access Trojan. How easy is it to to manipulate the app? I mean, because here's my concern. I'm getting old, <laughs> and my son's going to be a lot more tech savvy than I am. Right. So he's going to learn how to defeat that. Yeah, for sure. So I don't think that it's going to be easy. Uh, as of right now, I know it's not easy. I know of one that, that my uh, my uncle is using, and it hasn't been beaten by, uh, by his daughter. So, uh, you know, I... I don't think it'll be that easy. Nothing's impossible, but uh, you know they could always get on a computer, which there's other ways to protect the computer. If it was me as a kid, I'm, maybe I'd get a little more crafty because you know that's what I like to do. I like to hack computers. Um, but I, I don't know. I, it would it, it would stop me and make me second guess what I was doing if I knew my parents or parent was watching everything that I was doing online. I would second guess my conversations and who I talked to. Damn, man, this shit is. Because, like, I'll give you one example. Um, a guy, 
uh, a guy was talking to our decoy. This is like the second or third person that we caught. Talking to our decoy in a normal chat room, not like that, like a like you know regular social media site, and was using a photo of some guy that was in a band as his profile photo, using a fake phone number, fake age, and a fake name, and we were like, we can't find information on him. Like we can meet up with him, but we're not going to know anything about the guy. So we eventually got the decoy to get the guy to send pictures of his face, and. Um, he sent some a pic, real pictures of his face. I was able to find him on the internet, found his real name, found you know that he was not the age that he said, not the name that he said, that he wasn't even using his real photos. He booked a hotel room, um, uh, a hotel room. He ordered, uh, he even actually ordered pizza to the hotel room thinking that he was meeting with an 11 year old at that time. And uh, it's, you know, you gotta remember that the 11 year old he thought he was talking to was under the assumption they were meeting some guy from a band that was younger, that got a hotel for the night, that just ordered pizza, when in reality, it's some guy in his mid-40s them. It's, it's unbelievably messed up. Let's take a break. I need okay. a break. I want to take a minute to tell you about Vigilance Elite Patreon. Patron support is what makes this show possible and gives me the ability to bring these one-of-a-kind stories to the public. Go to patreon.com slash vigilance elite and support the Sean Ryan show today. Thank you for listening to the Sean Ryan show. If you haven't already, please take a minute, head over to iTunes and leave the Sean Ryan show a review. We read every review that comes through and we really appreciate the support. Thank you. Let's get back to the show. All right, Ryan, we're back from the break. Sorry, man, I had to, is getting a little too angry before the break, so I wanted to- I understand. Wanted to cool off for a minute, but while we were on the break, I want to clear a couple things up. We were talking about the California law and the Florida law. So we printed some stuff up. This is from the Liberty Champion. I didn't realize this got this got this stuff in California got signed into law in 2020. Right. Yeah. And, and I don't know. You know, God knows what more they've done since then. Yeah. Who knows? I, I know mean, the LGBTQ plus community. From what it says in one of those articles, they were not happy at all about this decision. So it seems they're not in support of, uh, or at least the LGBTQ movement is not in support of the sexual or. Uh, sexually attracted to minors or men. I can't, I can't remember yeah, the so acronym. Yeah, so the plus, is that what this is? I believe so, but I don't want to, I don't want to be wrong. Yeah, so let's, let's just stick to what we know. So I'm yeah. just going to read this. This is uh, a report from the Liberty Champion. It is an opinion poll. I think this uh, portion is factual. You can look it up. Uh, we're on a time crunch, so whatever. <laughs> look yeah. it up. But according to this... A couple weeks ago, this is dated October 12th, 2020. A couple weeks ago, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed a law that would allow judges to decide whether or not to list someone as a sex offender for having or with a minor. According to the bill, it only applies to consensual sex, whether it be between a minor 14 years old or, or, or older. So 
as long as they're 14, you're good in California. Well, I guess, yeah, I guess you're not it's good. It's up to the judge. Yeah, it's up to the judge, and they believe that children can consent at that age. Um, and then from just, you know, from what I know, just hearing things or reading things, that there is a, they, they want to make it a sexuality in certain states, one being California, that you're attracted to minors overall. Um, yeah. and, I, and I don't believe kids can consent personally, um, not in, in the slightest. This, this goes on to say, yeah, it looks like this is an opinion poll, so I don't want to get too far in the weeds, but yeah, it looks like they're adding it to the LGBTQ plus community. Minors deserve the right to consensual sex too. That's ridiculous. I'm not, that's not from me. That's from this. Right. I totally disagree with this shit. Just Agreed. In case somebody tries to make a weird sound. Yeah, bite. I don't agree with it either. <clears throat> but uh, then we go, and then the Florida thing. This is April 20th, 2023. <sighs> this is from ABC News. They're really upset about this, uh, if you read the whole article. But Florida Governor Ron DeSantis on Thursday signed a bill that will allow juries to impose the death sentence even if all 12 jurors do not agree. He is also likely to approve a second bill passed by the lawmakers on Tuesday, next Tuesday, that would make sexual battery of a 12-year-old, I'm sorry, sexual battery of a child under the age of 12 a death penalty offense. It's quite the difference between the uh, two states there. Agreed. I know uh, where I'd want to live. Yeah, I I, and I do live in Florida and, and totally agree with... Uh, what he's what he's trying to do. I still I just can't believe people are into this shit. You know. <laughs> yeah, I do it. I do it every day, and uh, I, I still can't believe it. But um, so we're gonna kind of wrap things up here. There's a couple of things that we haven't talked about yet. I know you got a couple of facts, uh, statistics that you want to rattle sure. off. Before we get to that, real quick, let's go over a couple of examples. On our break, you were talking about uh, confronting. A man in Delray Beach. Yes. Who then was later caught. And then we also talked about a letter that you got from a, I don't want to say a gentleman's attorney, a pedophile's attorney. Right. Uh, basically standing up for him, trying to pay you. I'll, I'll leave it to you from here. Let's start gotcha. with the with So the I'll teacher. start with the guy. Um, the the video as of this as of recording now isn't isn't on our YouTube channel, but um, by the time this this is released, people will be able to watch this this man's video. Um, he showed up um, after talking to our decoy and you know talking sexually. Um, he was fully aware of the age, uh, and he he I looked you know I looked into the guy. The guy went to school to be a teacher. He has a bachelor's in in teaching uh, a. a teaching to some degree. Uh, I don't know what specific topic or if teaching is just a degree, but he is a teacher. He taught at two different schools. What schools? Um, I have them uh, on my computer. I, I don't have them off the top of my head. Local Florida schools? Uh, one is an online tutor school and another one's not. So, uh, but he has two, two properties, one in Massachusetts and one in Florida. Uh, he showed up to meet, um, his name was Brent, and um, I walked up to him with the camera, uh, Scrappy behind me, and we called his name. And uh, the guy just starts walking away while he's on the phone with our decoy. And um, we're like, "Hey, we we have all your information. We know where you live. We know you're like we, I, you know, instead of just saying we know where you live, we're giving him the address. We're telling him where you know his name. 
We're telling him where he's worked. We tell him age. Like this guy knew that we knew who he was and he kept walking and kept walking. Then he goes into a full sprint. He's full sprinting through the Walmart. And, you know, I, I'm not a big runner. So uh, I just start chasing after him. You know, I'm, I'm running as fast as I can to, uh, to catch up with him. I got the camera in my hand and I'm screaming at the guy saying, you know, what are you, what are you doing here? Like what's going through your head? Guy gets in his car, he drives away. Didn't get a word out of the guy. So we thought, okay, let's just report it to the police. We'll put the video up. It'll just be a short video. We'll attach some of the chat logs so people see he was a teacher. And um, I thought that was the end of it. A couple days later, uh, I get a text message from a friend that says, hey, didn't you just catch this guy? Uh, her, her name's Courtney Elizabeth. She's a predator catcher. She, uh, she uh, texted me a screenshot from another predator catcher 1,200 miles away in Pennsylvania. So we're in Florida originally. This guy is drove to Pennsylvania for whatever reason. I don't know why he was there, if he was on his way to Massachusetts. I don't know what he was doing there, but got caught again by another predator catching group. And um, and I, I reached out to that that, that predator catcher, uh, Luzerne County predator catcher. It's just, he does his county and is, is known in that specific area. And he sent me all the chat logs one of the chat logs said that he was chased out of Walmart by two police officers. And the guy has no idea who we were because we didn't get a chance to say, you know, we didn't get to get a chance to even tell them what we were doing, tell him what we were doing. Um, so just, you know, the, the point of the matter is he didn't get the point the first time. He likely ran from Florida because he thought he was being investigated or wanted by the police. And then you also have to think if he got caught twice by two uh, uh, predator catchers, which is not the most common, you know, profession or niche in the world. Um, how many times this man hasn't been, has not been caught. So it's disgusting, you know, that he's a teacher and disgusting that he'd do it twice, but just think of the amount of times this man has probably not been caught. So that was, that was one thing. And then we caught another guy that I wanted to, I wanted to reference. Um, we caught another guy, um, named Steven, who he went to his job. We asked for him. What was his job? Uh, he was, uh, uh, he's a manager at a, a seafood restaurant. And we showed up there, we sat at the table. He was supposed to meet with, with our decoy. Uh, at that point, uh, it was 13 or 14 years old. Uh, my memory serves me correctly. Um, and uh, he bailed last second that day. A lot of times these guys will bail and then they'll come back or, you know, it, it they never really disappear because they can't they can't control themselves. This guy was very sexual. He said that he wanted uh, he wanted our decoy to sit on his face. He wanted her to come back to his house. Horrible things. So we were like, you know what? We're not going to let this guy just bail and disappear. We know where he works. We have his information. Let's just go there, order two glasses of water. We know he's the manager, so he'll come up after we request the manager, and we'll bring him outside and have a conversation. So we did that. He was fully aware that he was being recorded, and. Uh, Everything that, uh, everything, you know, was, it, it was very transparent what was going on. You know, we asked questions. He told us the answers to them. He knew we weren't police. He knew he was free to go at any time. And he offered a ton of information that was up to him. Um, so, uh, you know, that gets over with. Police come. We give the police all the information that we have. And some time goes by. And I get a, an email, which the original email was, uh, you know, saying to take, the video down off of the off of the internet, and uh, it went originally that went to Scrappy's cell phone, um, 
and he didn't see it at first, but then when he did, he saw, he sent it to me and then I replied to it. But the first email was straight to the point, like take this video down. Uh, it's in a violation of this statute of the privacy laws of Florida. And last time I checked, you can record in public. Um, you know, it's, you have no expectation of privacy in a public place, uh, audio or video. And, uh, so I, I wasn't too concerned about the threat from the, the law firm who's representing a predator. Um, so I sent the reply back and I said, take a look at the person that you are representing. Here are the chat logs. If you want, if you want to be clear, um, because I, I didn't release them with the video. So the attorney could read all of the horrible things that the guy not only admitted in the video, but, uh, but that he said himself in the chats with pictures of his face. Then they reply a few days later and I'll read you their reply. They said, thank you for your response. In accordance with Florida statute 934.03, we are requesting that you remove the video. As stated in my previous email, this video is exposing Mr. Blank to an increased risk of physical harm. In the video, you have exposed his face and full name without his consent, which is a violation of privacy laws. See below. And then this is from the statute. In Florida, it's illegal to record an in-person or telephone conversation without the consent of all parties. Violating this law constitutes either a misdemeanor or third-degree felony, depending on the offender's intent and conviction history, can also subject subject the offender to civil damages. Um, and then at the bottom, this is the kicker, we respect everything that you do and acknowledge your mission of doing what is right and protecting the public. In fact, we would like to offer you $1,000 to support your cause and for the administrative costs for the removal. I will also be at your service if you need our help in the future, if you face any legal issues with your channel. Again, we're not looking for a battle. We're looking for your help. Respectfully, blank. So I will not release their firm's name. Uh, I don't respect the, the fact that they're representing a predator, but uh, they haven't filed a lawsuit against me at this point. If they do, this email is, is in my possession. It was sent to me. I can release this email. It's not a threat by any means, but I will release it to let the public know that you know somebody's representing a predator and trying to make my life and Scrappy's life more difficult um, you know, about exposing a local predator. And then number two, the fact that they said that they would want to represent us why would we ever want legal advice from somebody that would take most likely 500 bucks from a predator to take down a video that is educating the people in the area who's dangerous? Why would we want to be represented by somebody that's okay with that? Yeah. So um, I just point. wanted to let, let, let you know that one. It blew my mind. <sighs> this stuff just goes on and on and on. And, and Ryan, I want to get you back here again to dive into this more maybe in six months or so, because I know there's going to be a bunch of stuff that develops. But yeah, so I know you have a couple of statistics you want to rattle off. Sure. And um, let's rattle those off. And then let's try to end this with some with something positive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, agreed. So these are just, uh, you know, just some some uh, statistics about human trafficking, which goes, you know, is goes it coincides with exactly what we're doing, catching predators and and these pedophile ring websites. Um, one in five uh, uh, U.S. teenagers who have received an unwanted sexual solicitation online. That's Crimes Against Children Research Center. Um, uh, 13, year, 13 years old is the average age at which a child first encounters an explicit uh, w website, which comes from Guard Child. 
Uh, 75% of children are willing to share personal information with strangers. That comes from eSafety Commissioner. 75%. 75%. 50% of sexual exploitation incidents involving children that begin on begin on social media platforms. What was that percentage? 50% they begin, which I believe is higher. Yeah. Um, 27% of online child exploitation cases involving a perpetrator who is a family member or acquaintance. Um, source National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, the people that ignored me. Um, but yeah, 27% of people uh, are cases involving family members and acquaintances. Which I think that number's higher too. So they're just statistics. They're not always accurate. Um, but uh, either way, they're still horrible, regardless of which way you look at it. Yeah, you know, it's it's something to to try to wrap your head around and 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 understand the severity and how much this shit happens. But <clears throat> moving on, let's get into some good news. Let's let's talk about how we solve this thing, right. which seems. When you look at it and, and, and you see, you can enter just any chat room and somebody shows up in five seconds to... Literally, within 10 seconds, we had that message. Or may, it might have been five. Yeah. yeah. We'll find out. And, um, yeah, we'll find out on the video uh, when we edit. But, but you know, that just to bring some hope to people, you know, we, we actually, actually... The videographer <laughs> came up with a, with a great option at least to start and um he was saying you make a database you know we pull all of your information intelligence that you've yanked out of these out of these sites and hopefully you'll continue to exploit these sites uh, with that information and make a database a public database that has all the people that are associated with these sites names addresses pictures if we can get them all of it and then people, schools, um, businesses, people that are looking to hire, parents, anybody can just go onto this database, type in a name, see if it pops up. Or a face. Or a face. Yeah. Or both. Yep. <clears throat> um, I, think, I think that's a phenomenal idea. Yeah, of course. I mean, the, like we were saying on the break, um, you know, it's not like these people are, are innocent by, like, there's no, there's no possible chance of them being innocent. They, there's chat logs of them talking sexually to what they believe is a minor. And then there's video evidence of them showing up there at the time they say they're going to be there most of the time on the phone with what they think is a child while they're walking through the store or through a public place to meet who they think is a kid. So, the the database of you know if a cop can't you know if a cop can't get a charge to stick or the state attorney doesn't want to go go through with the case uh, well then the public should know regardless because then they can make their decision based on the evidence that was gathered by the public you know I I don't know what the legalities would be either but if you are an attorney who knows this subject and you want to help, reach out to Zero Day, reach out to Project Veritas, shit, reach out to us. Yeah. Uh, all those links will be in the description. But, man, I think that would be, you know what else I think? We should shame the attorneys who are representing predators. Yeah, yeah, I think it's ridiculous. I mean, uh, there's no Put money in the, the world that you could pay me 
to get rid of this information, to stop the journey that I'm on right now. I don't care what you offered me, it's not happening. It's it's not worth it. There's I care too much about kids. I don't even have a kid. And, and I, again, off the break, I, I said, I, I can't, uh, you know, I don't know how I'm gonna act when I have a kid. I'm already crazy and, you know, it's about my friend's kids, you know? Like, I'm, I'm gonna be, I need to find a balance between being a crazy parent and, uh, and you know, and letting my kid have their own space because I, I'm just, it, I'm terrified. Yeah, me too. You know, I don't, I just, I don't even, this stuff really gets to me. And, and, and when we connected, I told you my goal this year is to dive into this subject and mm -hmm. bring a lot of awareness to it. And man, this shit eats me alive, you know, but, and then you read stuff like what California's doing and, and it's, it's, I mean, they're, they're, they're making this, uh, they're trying to normalize it. Yeah. So if you're a pedo, move to California. Right, yeah, move If there. you're not down with that, move out of California. I like guess it's, so. It's getting to be that simple, you know? They're gonna, look what's going on there, you know? Yeah. Everything, the whole, anyways, whatever. But, um, <clears throat> you know, I wanna, I really want your word to get out, and I want to. I, I want to connect you with some people. I want to connect you with my friend Matt Murphy, uh, who's doing Operation Light Shine. He's making a huge dent in this stuff. I think. I think how this ends. Obviously, government's not going to get involved, right? Uh, especially in particular states. I guess uh, Florida's getting involved. Florida might, yeah. But um, but whatever government moves as slow as a snail. So I think what it's going to be is it's going to be this collaborative effort from citizens, people like you, people like Matt Murphy, um, going after these guys. There's other organizations out there and, and it's this big collab, it's turning into this big collaborative effort, you know, to get rid of these people and expose what they're doing and educate the public on how to keep your kids safe. And just, Ryan, just with what you're doing, I think I'd may have brought this up at the beginning, but I mean, if you think about the impact that you're having, you know, you're educating kids. Kids are gonna wise up to this stuff. That's gonna drop the numbers. Parents are gonna be listening to this. They're gonna wise up to this. That's gonna drop numbers. Mm -hmm. Predators are gonna watch this oh, yeah. and realize we're coming for them. And, and they are, heavily. And they're gonna get scared and some of them are gonna stop. So just, by doing this show, this one show, it's gonna stop a, it's gonna stop a handful. It's gonna, it's gonna save at least one kid. That's I can good guarantee with me. you that. One kid is good with me. I want to also, actually I already sent the text, but I wanna introduce you to a podcast that's, um, they do phenomenal work. It's called Concrete. Uh, it's run, uh, their host is a guy named Danny Jones. I think he's somewhere in the Tampa area. Okay. I'd love to connect you with him. I haven't, I haven't even met him in person, but I'm a huge fan of their podcast. That's one that I watch. They I dive I've actually deep seen into it. stuff. I've seen it with, uh, I met one of the, uh, one of the guys. Uh, oh, good. Yeah. Well, not, gonna... not, I didn't meet any of the, uh, any of the, I'm sorry, the, uh, producers of the show. It was somebody that was interviewed. He oh. Was, uh, he was a, a fraud guy, but. Oh. Yeah. Well, I'd like to introduce you to them because I think they'll, I think they will have the courage to help you get the word out. And there's another guy, uh, Julian Dorian, uh, who I'm actually going on his show 
here pretty soon. And I want to make that connection too, because that guy, he does some really, really, really good work. And uh, I'd love to, I'd love to make all three of those connections with Matt, uh, Concrete Guys, and Julian Dorian. So I really appreciate that very much. And and uh, yeah, the more the more we can make, the more noise we make, the better. And uh, like I said, the resources that I have, and the abilities that I have, and the abilities my team has, you know, especially with the cybersecurity company and and my hacking team combined, um, the more resource like. The more resources, the more we can do. I mean, it's very simple. It's, I just if I don't have access to these missions, or I don't have access to some tips, or what, or I, I can't do anything. Yeah. So. Yeah. When I want to end this, I want to say, if you have fallen victim to this, or you know somebody that's fallen victim to this, speak up about it. Get in touch with Ryan Montgomery. All your links are gonna be in the description. Zero Day, your Instagram, um, with a zero, not spelled zero. <clears throat> 561 PC, that'll be linked. Project Veritas and everything that they're doing, all that stuff's gonna be linked in the description. And, and if you don't wanna reach out to them, you can reach out to us and we'll put you in contact <laughs> with them because they're the ones doing the real work. And, um, this is how we battle this shit. You've got to speak up. You've got to get to people that can that can lead you to the right people, and and we got to expose these people. You know the 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 the, the predators. <sighs> Man, what a heavy subject. Yeah, unbelievable. What do you got coming up? Uh, well, hopefully, when you know this release comes out and. Uh... And, you know, I, I have some people reaching out and, you know, not not entirely sure I want to do them based on some some things we just researched. But, uh, yeah, yeah, more to come, more to come. It's I think that uh, we'll, I'll start with your connections. <laughs> right on, man. Yeah. Well, Ryan, I just want to say, man, it's it's you're just a great human helping addiction, helping people that are addicts out and then it morphed into this. And uh, you obviously have a, a a heart of gold and it shows and, and thanks i'm just proud to know likewise you, man. man likewise thank I you appreciate you all right brother best of luck and i'll see you soon see you soon Today's show is sponsored by HelixSleep.com. Sleep, especially as you get older, is so critical, especially that deep, comforting sleep. Go to HelixSleep.com and take the sleep quiz. I took it and was matched with the Midnight Lux. Helix knows that everyone's unique, so they have several different mattress models to match based on your body type and sleep preferences. Once you match, your mattress comes right to your front door, shipped for free. When you receive your Helix mattress, You'll be hooked. It's so easy to unbox and you won't believe how well you sleep. You'll wake up feeling rested and refreshed. Helix mattresses are fiberglass free and cradle your body for essential support in every sleeping position. They have a 10 year warranty and Helix even has financing options and flexible payment plans. So a great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash SRS. That's helixsleep.com slash SRS. This is their best offer yet, and it's not going to last long. 
with Helix. Better sleep starts now.